Please don't push me, but y'all push B. Now we got dwellers from Cali to Flatbush B. Now they got heat on their feet that say press B. And now we so deep in the streets, y'all can't stress me. Can't curse me, then bless me. I'm crucifying my flesh, that's less me. SAT from preaching, can't test me. Atheists are now believing, that bless me. Yeah, we got the basement replacing any of those worldly pursuits that y'all chasing. Any of those trials and tests that y'all facing. Any of the relationships that y'all changing. We rearranging, making the shame shift. Giving Satan back what's his, that's the blame shift. Rise up and walk commands, that's the lame shift. Cheat codes for living this life, that's the game shift. All on Yeshua, man, the rest is manure, man. I'm dying daily, so I rise up a pure man. Pressing B daily, so my sins looking fewer, man. Washing the blood, so my sins down the sewer, man. Yeah, so press B with me, and let's let whatever gon' be just be. Uh. Yeah, so press B with me, and let's let whatever gon' be just be. What's up, everybody? It is that time. Meet me on the B-side, fam. It's about to go down. Listen, November 3rd, 7 p.m., I need you in this building, fam. November 3rd, 7 p.m., I need you in this building, fam. We got special guests. I need you to click the link, and I need you to be in the house. We are making history. The safe space now has a safe place. B-side, see you then. Peace. Welcome to the basement, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Tim Ross. I love you guys so much. I am so grateful that you decided to be with us again today. Thank you for pressing B. Thank you for coming down. Thank you for your commitment to be safe. It's a beautiful thing that I just will not take for granted is the opportunity that God gives us to be together, to dwell together, and be safe. There's so much stuff in the world that ain't safe. There's so much about our faith that ain't safe. But guess what? We will be safe spaces for each other. Shout out to Press B. Shout out to my dwellers. Shout out to uh, my promoters. Thank you all so much for your generosity to those that give through Cash App and PayPal. Your generosity literally keeps us out here. And so whether you give a dollar, hundreds of dollars, or thousands of dollars, just know that we do not take you for granted. Thank you for keeping this movement for us to press B and dwell going. I appreciate you guys so much. Listen, oh, I'm so excited. Hey, listen, I'm hitting like what I would call the sibling lottery. That's what I'm going to say. I'm hitting the sibling lottery. Um, and I actually believe this is the first time in the history of the basement that I've had siblings on the pod. I'm going off memory, but y'all correct me if I'm wrong. I think this is the very first time we've had siblings on the pod, not together, but we had one family member. Now we have another family member. And I just think God has given me favor with the family. So I feel like I'm a cousin. So I have... An, completely inserted myself into the family i don't even know if it's reciprocal we're gonna find out if it's not i won't feel rejected because i'm already accepted by the father but i'm just saying i do think i have another cousin anyway so um i'm so grateful um that my guest is here i'm so excited for us to hear her story and simply for us to be able to share 
Uh, we'll get into all the family connections uh, in a moment. But right now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce to some. And I want to present to others the one and only identified by her fingerprints. The only. Huh? Candace Olushola hey! is in the house, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go. Come on now. Come on now. I got it. I got it. I got it. Olushola. Hey. Huh? I was saying it the American way. Olusola. And we and, understand. And, and, and I wasn't getting that. I wasn't getting that kick in the chest from from the DNA. Hey. But as soon as I started saying Olushola. Hey. Huh? Come from on the now. Yoruba. Ah. There it is. From the Yoruba ah. tribe. Ah. Now all of it started to make sense on the inside. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. No, thank you for having me. Ben. I'm so glad you are here. Same. Uh, you are a cousin, by the way. Yay! Like, you're a cousin. You're we family. are family. Hey, hey, hey. I got all my cousins with me. Hey, hey, I, I remixed it real quick. Hey, hey. We are family. What? Uh, uh, okay, okay. That's a lot. That's a lot, but I did it. It was. I it felt good about it in the moment. I did too. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to keep it there. Yes. That's why we don't do edits. Because <laughs> whatever. For what? For why why, am I, for who? Right? We, we do edits on salutes. Just made. I just gave Sammy something to do. Come on now. We will salute you. Booyah. Hey. But hey. what we won't do is edit something that we said. I mean, we'll beep some stuff. <laughs> Known for that. Known for it. But that's about all we do here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So, so let's 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 tie up the family connections already. You know what okay. I'm saying? We'll do that off top, just so everybody ain't squinting their eyes in the screen talking about who 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 who. Well, if they know the last name, then they probably should already know. You know what I'm I mean, saying? I mean, come on. I mean, duh. I already gave you a hint. Even though when I introduced him, I didn't have the proper last name. Okay, he be lazy. He not be correcting. No yeah, way. he didn't. He was just he like just let it slide. He just let it slide. He's so nice. And he's too nice. He's sometimes. so polite. He's so polite. But he you like, gave oh, that's me that all wrong. But we gonna receive it in the name of Jesus. <laughs> he just smiled. I'm like, let me help you. Yeah, yeah. That's me. I have the spirit of help. Let me help you. It was yes. the tip of the frame, I mean, though. Gotta I'm check weak. Gotta check <laughs> I'm weak. And Lord knows I'm blind when I do that. <laughs> we do it anyway. <laughs> Pull them frames down and you just seeing blurs. Blur, no, like blurdy blurs. You see Robin Thicke when you pull Hello. them things down. Hello. <laughs> Where you yeah. go? Where you, <laughs> Where you at? You left. Now you're back. <laughs> now you're back. You hey, left. And now you're back again. <laughs> Hello. I, I'm actually uh, considering, um, uh, I almost said cataract surgery. <laughs> I'm like, okay. how old am I? What am I talking about? Lay hands on your eyes. LASIK. Oh, LASIK. Okay. I, even though I've invested so much in these frames, and these are all prescription, y'all. I got nine pairs. You know how expensive it is yes. to be this diverse? I'm saying. This is, this, is, this is nine pair of frames with nine progressive lenses in it. Oh. That also are transition transition lenses. Oh. Don't be asking me what I'll be doing with my money. It's my money. Ooh. But it is what it is. Um, but I am thinking about LASIK. 
I like the idea. Yeah, I I'm thinking about LASIK. And and the only reason why I'm thinking about LASIK is because of I, I do a lot of firearms training. Oh, okay. And I just don't like the thought of if there's ever a situation mm. and things get heated and my glasses fall off. Or Ooh, the blindness. The, the oh. knocked off. You know what I mean? Oh. I don't want to be yeah. spraying and praying. Hey. <laughs> right. We can't have you on the news because you went blind trying to. Yeah, no, I, 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 I want to be naming and aiming. Name it, name it and name it. Hey. Come on now. I want to name it and name it. It's you, <laughs> Red Dot, <laughs> Pew Pew. That's what I want to. Right. Those are the we three don't need stages. That. Pew, pew, yeah, I don't need the. I think it was you. <laughs> oh, man. Mm-mm. So sorry. Mm-mm. I loved you. Mm-mm. Right. Mm-mm. We, yeah, we don't want any of that. that we don't want any of that. So um, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. All right, let's get into it. Family. You want me to you want me to give him the, the secret? Just just drop it on him. Just drop it on him. I am. No, I'm gonna say it like this. Kevin Olushala uh-huh. is my brother. That's exactly right. Cause that's exactly right. Huh? You're not his sister. He's your brother. That part. That part. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm grateful you're here. And you filled out the Google form. I did in season one. In season one. The second it dropped, I was like, oh, I got questions. (laughs) Hello. All right. So, so listen, for, you know, we have over three, like 3,500 people that filled out that Google form. Blessed assurance. You got 79 seasons. Right. (laughs) What? Whoa. We can go until oh, come on, Methuselah. Let's I am go. in my seventies for yes, sure, right? The Methuselah basement. Uh, I'm now. weak. We're gonna be here. Not the, the Methuselah. To the flood. To the flood. Not hey. the Methuselah basement. Yes. You know what? Now I'm curious. I'm crying. Hold on. Now Stop I'm it. curious. Hold on. Stop it. I don't. My math ain't mathing that fast. Lord. But I can do this. When he nine hundred somebody who body. Is that nine point five years? A basement? Uh-huh. I mean... I could do nine and a half. If I got through every single Google form, blessed we'd be doing shows for the next nine and a half years. My God. My God. You locked and loaded. Is that not wild? That's that. People people trying to share these stories. Wow. And people need to hear them. Yeah. Talk people about that. Talk about that's, that. That's a blessing, man. Unless I did the math wrong, I did 3,500 divided by 365 days. And I gave me yeah. 9.5. That's right, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I do 3,500 divided by 12, it's That's 291. Oh, you can't no do way. it by months. No, you can't do it. Because that's by 12 months. months is a year. Yeah, and then you'd have to do the conversion yeah. for the year. That's too yeah. much. Yeah, 365 is right. Yeah. It's yeah. nine and a half yeah. years. Mm-hmm. I knew. I knew how to work my calculator mm-hmm. a little bit, mm-hmm. just a tiny bit, a little bit. But then I, now I give up on it. <laughs> all right, so you, you, you. This is season one. That's first of all. Thank you for your patience. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we here, we here. Oh, and what made you fill it out? Because it's it's one thing to say we invite you on. It's another thing to get on a plane and come here. Like, I'm always amazed that people do it. Like, I'm, I don't take it for granted. 
Like, it's a podcast. Like, it's not like you got selected to be on Family Feud. You know what I mean? Although Steve called me. Come on, Steve. Come on. Come on, Uncle I'll Steve. Do it. Call Candace and the family. I'll do it. Or hey. are ready to win some money. Hey. Okay. I'll do it. So, so um, what made you fill it out and have those questions remain the same or have they changed? At the time that I filled it out, if I remember correctly, it was because I was in the middle of a season of transition. Mm-hmm. And now so much has happened in my life since then mm. that those questions have very deeply evolved. Mm. Very deeply evolved. Mm. So there, I was not even in the same mental space yep. when I filled it out the first yeah. time. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So um, tell us a little bit about you. Oh, y'all got tissues. Might need them. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Oh, praise God. Okay, we got we got double, triple ply, soft Charmin. We don't need the double, triple. Yeah, they just came that one out ply, with straight up Charmin. It's not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> the one ply is not going to uh-uh, do it. Uh-uh, not at all. Hey, thank you, girl. Thank you. Huli is, she's the real deal, Let me y'all. tell you something. Huli. Huli. Te quiero chiquita. Sí, mírala, mírala. Okay. <laughs> so, who? Where do I start? I was born in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Come on through here, Hershey. Come on. Hershey. Chocolate. Chocolate. Chocolate drop. Uh-huh. Right here. Bring it. And um, let's see. We we went from Hershey to Pennsylvania where my little brother was born. and Or to Philadelphia. Sorry. Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And after my dad finished his residency out, out there, we moved to... Owensboro, Kentucky, which just happens to also be the same place that Johnny Depp is from. Really? Context, yes. Awesome. Johnny Depp is from Owensboro, Kentucky. Who knew? I know. So random. You would never think this was a Kentucky boy, but. He's a Kentucky boy. Kentucky boy. Wow. Interesante. Interesante. Yes. So we moved there when I was four. Okay. And. When I think back on that time, I remember a very different sentiment of how life was when we were in Philly versus when we moved to Kentucky. Mm -hmm. So in Philly, I remember life being very jovial. Mom had us in all these different programs. Like we did synchronized ice skating lessons and, you know, we were always at her women's Bible studies. We'd meet at other people's homes. We were in a very diverse church family. Mm -hmm. So I had friends from all over that looked like everything in the world. It was beautiful. In Kentucky? No, that was in Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania. Got you. Okay. Okay. Got you. And then um, we moved to Kentucky when I was four in 1994. Mm -hmm. And I remember all of a sudden life felt dark, Mm. very dark. And first off, the world around me became very whitewashed. I was mm-hmm. like, where are all the colors go? Right, 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 right. right. no colors. I'm right. the color. Oh, Lord. Right, I didn't right. know what that meant. Um, secondly, I had this idea that I was unworthy and unloved. And I didn't know where it came from. Wow. But I believed it with everything in me. Everything in me told me 
I was not only unworthy or unloved, I was in the wrong family. Wow. At four. At four. It's like my earliest memories of Kentucky was how did I end up in the family that I'm in? I must be adopted or they don't realize they have the wrong child and someone's going to come pick me up and take me back to an orphanage. So I used to actually beg my mom and say, you need to send me back to the orphanage. And she's like, what are you talking about? First off, how do you know the word orphanage at four? Where is that coming from? And why do you believe this so much? Yeah. And so I put it in my mind that my older brother Kevin belonged to my dad, Mm. that my little brother Kellon belonged to my mom, and I belonged to nobody. Mm. And so that's where where life started for me. Mm. And I used to try to process, why am I here? My parents are so smart. My brothers are so smart. I don't feel as smart as they are. I feel like I'm overlooked. I'm the only daughter, and I know in African culture, having a son is really important. So I didn't know if my dad loved me because he had his firstborn son. Mm. And I knew that my little brother um, was so fragile. He had a lot of health issues when we were growing up. And so there was a need to take care of him in a very special way. And so I saw that love for mom, for him. And so I just assumed I was misplaced or that we needed another child. I always kept saying, maybe if there was four of us, then I would have a pair. Mm. There would be someone for me. Mm. Um, But instead, when we got a dog, I was like, oh, so then the dog is mine. That's Mm. my pair. Mm. I'll... I'll talk with the dog. Mm. I'll share what I'm really going through with the dog. Um, and But outside of the house, people saw me as like the funny kid. I was always giving advice. I went to Montessori school when we moved to Kentucky. And so I was the very rambunctious little kindergartner. And I would talk to the kids that were older. I, I felt like I was my own Lucy stand from <laughs> Charlie Brown. And I <laughs> like... Come and I'll give you advice at four <laughs> years old about your problems, no issue, you know. So during lunch breaks, the older kids would come and ask me questions about life and I would give them advice. And the next day we'd do follow ups. And I'm like, so how did it go? Did you take my advice? Did you do what I said? What did your dad say? Is the relationship better now? OK, well, that's great. If that didn't work, let's think of something else. And I thought I was just the wisest little kid ever. And I loved it. Hold on. Did you go to Montessori or did you go to Xavier's special school for talented mutants? Cause I never met a four year old counselor I, that was, that's asking for follow up from her clients. I needed follow up the next day. Did you do what I told you? To what do? a Tuesday. Come on now. What? Oh, I remember this clear as day. I'm watching it clear as day. <laughs> we would have sessions. It'd I'm be like, like group so therapy. did Storm and Cyclops tell you? <laughs> I know that Wolverine was a fool <laughs> and probably cussed you out. But what about Jean Grey? That part. Because she's kind of mercurial. 
That's the, that's who you're counseling right now, because you're about to tell us you have a superpower. I'm done, <laughs> and I can't even deal with it right now. <laughs> so please continue. I don't know. It was in me. I always wanted to give advice. I loved giving people advice, and I loved how people responded to me. Like they took what I would say seriously. So I would just share what I was thinking in my little four or five year old brain, and. I would also be the jokester. Mm -hmm. I was always finding ways to find, make people laugh. So um, outside of that, I was a, I I was very theatrical Mm -hmm. all the time. So it was not just my natural personality, but it was also a way for me to cope with what I was trying to process at home Mm -hmm. and recognizing that maybe if I made people laugh, they won't have to know that I'm crying. Mm. If I made people laugh, then people will think that I am in the right family. So that way I can keep the the family image up. Because if I do anything that makes them think I'm not, I would be the reason why the family image drops. And I don't want that responsibility. So I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure people are laughing and make sure they don't know I'm crying. So mm. I can do it on my own mm. and protect the family. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, I'm going to just submit this to you. I don't know if you've ever heard this. Yeah. I don't know what type of process you've had as an adult. No, there's so much more we got to talk about because I'm, I'm looking at a four-year-old right now, mm. right? I'm looking at four-year-old Candace in my brain. But I, as you were talking, I literally just felt like Because when you were saying that, um, I got it in my mind that I'm not loved by my family, right? Mm-hmm. I I heard you saying that, and I, I immediately started thinking, I don't think you got that from your mind. I think it was an evading thought that came in, right? Mm-hmm. But what I, but here's here's. You know, I'm an investigator by nature. So I'm like, why would the enemy be coming after a four-year-old with the type of lie that I normally hear him shoot that at adults? Mm. And so as you were talking just now, Candice, I'm literally processing. I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, like, Candice is so brilliant and so intelligent that the enemy had to appeal to her logic and her reasoning at a very young age. That's how brilliant you are. You are so smart And so gifted that he saw a treasure in an earthen vessel and at four years old was like, if I'm a getter, I have to appeal to her reason. I'm just submitting that to you. But as you were talking, that's what he said. He had to because you're brilliant. You are smart. And I don't know nothing about that side. Like, I don't. 
it ain't like we've had, you know, we've talked for six hours and blah, 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 blah. But he he had to hit you where your gifting lies. Yeah. For what that's worth, I'm just leaving it there. I don't have nothing else to <laughs> follow up on that. That is interesting because my intellect was one of the reasons why I didn't think I was in the right family. It was probably one of the biggest reasons. I didn't think I was smart enough to keep up Wow. with the family. Wow. Yeah, see, to me, to be aware of that at that age, that's not normal. Hmm. That's not normal. I got 15-year-olds and 13-year-olds. I don't think like that. Like, <laughs> a four-year-old definitely is not, it's not normal for any four-year-old to be comparing themselves to other family members intellectually. So the fact that you could <laughs> hmm. means that the level of intellect and self-awareness hmm. that needs to be there for you to even process that at that age and stage, of course he would come after the very thing that God gifted you with. The earlier he can make you think you're not intelligent, the better chance that he has to try to thwart. Because here's the thing. The enemy doesn't, the enemy can't predict the future. Right. The enemy knows nothing about the future. Right. But he knows the past <laughs> and he knows the present. And all he can do is predict. This is why both Pharaoh and Herod kill babies mm -hmm. under a certain age. Right. Because they don't know who Moses is. Right. And they don't know who Jesus is. Right. So I think they got to be between birth and two years old. Kill them all. Kill them all. Yeah. So that's what the enemy comes through and starts doing. He just starts trying to kill off self-esteem, confidence, mm. purity. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, anything. My brain. I, I, so anyway, I'm just... I don't even know that I've cut anybody off in the middle of a story before like that, but I just, that was so loud. I, I had to get it out. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That I would have never thought that. Mm. I would have never thought that, but it was something that I used to, from as early as four or five years old, wow. wonder yeah. if I, if I'm as adopted as I think I am, <laughs> right? Then I am the black sheep, mm. and I'm going to destroy the intellectual caliber mm. of this unit. Mm. I am their weakest link. Mm. Mm. 
how do I either get back to this orphanage that was in my head mm. or fake it so well that no one will ever find out that I'm really not supposed to be here. Wow. <sighs> so that's where Kentucky starts. Yeah. Um, by second grade, we went to, uh, to public school. I went to public school and Kevin was in fourth grade at the time. We were just like we were in Montessori school. We were the only black kids in the school. So um, dealing with racism in the South in the 90s as young black kids. Yep. As young, smart black kids yep. that weren't supposed to be smart. Being yep. smart was for white kids. Mm. That's what we were told. Mm hmm. They would ask us, why are you at our school? You know that the black public school is on the other side of town. It's just wild that we're talking about the 90s like it's the 50s. 97. But this is the late 90s <laughs> like it's the 50s. Yeah. But we, but we still don't think we have a racist problem. Mm -hmm. It's wild. That's wild. Yeah. That's wild. So we were that black family that lived in the white suburbs yeah. of the South in the 90s. My dad, as the town psychiatrist, black man from Nigeria. <laughs> My mom <laughs> is a Grenadian nurse. And their kids are in the most advanced classes everywhere they go. So there was an image that we had in the community. They would just call us the Alushala kids. And we already knew what that meant. They just meant the smart black kids. Y'all, it's like y'all had an asterisk by your name. Literally. Wow. Literally. So there was an expectation from the family. And I always told Kevin this. I was like, Kevin, you didn't even think to get a B just in case I needed you <laughs> That's to get a B. Hilarious. You, you really came out here with these 95, 96, <laughs> with 100% extra credit. Didn't even think of your sister. Oh, that is so funny. So rude. You couldn't set the bar just a, a little tad lower? bit lower. Just, I'm already short. Right. <laughs> I am the shrub amongst trees. You didn't even look down. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's hilarious to oh, me. Oh, man. Oh, I can't, so I can't high jump. I can only low jump. <laughs> I'm short. So. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Lord. So, I'm, you know, I, I loved school, though. Yeah. I loved learning so much. I loved science and I loved math. I was that kid that would ask for extra math just because. And I was always neck and neck with one kid in my class when it came to our math grades. We were both first and second, first and second, first and second. We used to do, I don't know if anyone remembers Mad Minutes, but they're like, you would do these math sheets of either like 30 to 100 problems, depending on what grade you're in and what type of math. And you had a minute to do as many as possible. And by third grade, between me and this guy in my class, we used to go through the mad minutes. And at the end, the whole class would run over because we sat next to each other and they would see which one of us got the highest score because they knew it was going to be one of us. 
And so we just competed against each other. I loved that. It was so fun. And he was my best friend. So for us, whether we got first or second, we were like, we're still the top right, two. Right, like, exactly. This is awesome, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, so it was great being able to do that. But then there was the flip side of the bullying that happened mm, at school mm. and um, the harassment that happened at school for being a smart black kid. And I used to wonder, like, first off, I didn't know smart had color. I didn't know you put a color on smart, on being intellectual. I've never heard that before. Yeah, they do it in this country. Like, smart is is dedicated to a sect of the society? Like, who came up with that? <laughs> I was so confused. Yeah. yeah. How do you process that at eight years old? Mm-hmm. Right? But I was like, I don't know. I'm just doing my homework. Yeah. And I just happened to do it well. I don't know. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Do you want me to do it wrong? Why would I do it wrong if I know the right answer? That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> so I would just do my homework and I loved it. And yet the bullying was another reason for me to question, mm. am I in the right family? Am I going to do this right? Am I, even though I'm s- smart from what people say, and I mean, I do well in school, but I feel like at any moment I will show that I'm not that smart. So, you know, being on the playground and white kids pulling me to the back of the, the, the playground, we had, um, a ditch next to a fence and they used to take me back there. The fourth graders would take me back there, beat me up, throw me in the ditch during recess and then come get me out before recess was over and try to clean me up like nothing happened. And that happened for most of my, my third grade year, but I wouldn't tell my parents because I thought if I told them that's going to be a tainting on the family, someone's being beat up. That doesn't fit the, the mold of the the immigrant family that's done great things and is doing well in society amongst, you know, racism in the South. Like, don't do anything to ruin the image. So I would keep that to myself, but I would be crying at home and no one understood why. Yeah. I didn't know how to articulate. I was scared to articulate it. Yeah. It would make it too real. Yeah. I dealt with um kids who would I don't know. I'm sure other black and brown women know what I'm talking about when I say this, but just white people who would just come and touch you in inappropriate places just because they're curious. And if you say something, you're the one who got in trouble. Or if you defend yourself, you're the one who gets in trouble. What? So like I would be at school and because I'm the, the black girl, there would be, you know, guys that would come up and they would either, run their hand through my hair or like come and touch my chest or just come and touch parts of me without obviously without my permission. And I would be shocked and I would go, I would like go and like shove them. Cause I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. And the teachers would say, why are you fighting? And I'm like, cause he touched me in my, in these different areas. And like, well, we don't fight here. So they would get sent off and I would get a phone call to the house saying your daughter was fighting. For it, boundaries? For Did boundaries. they finish the sentence? No. <sighs> Child, your mama's here. I'm trying to be so... 
<laughs> I'm trying to be so polite. <laughs> she knows the whole story. Okay. So you can say whatever you want. Mama, I get angry sometimes and then I be saying stuff. Don't, let, let's not let's not say anything. We, we, we done already talked about not saying these things. We got to keep it together. I'm going to be all right. Okay. No, I, I, yes. <laughs> I know about those words. I'm not going to say oh, those okay. words, but there's a se- right. subcategory of words that is <laughs> sanctioned for the pod. And I'm, st- I'm trying to hold my mule on those right hold now. Hold what? Mm-hmm. That makes me so angry that you were, that your body wasn't safe. It makes me so angry that your that your mind wasn't safe. No, your body and your intellect was not safe at a public school. That is reprehensible to me. And yet, my biggest concern was making sure I kept up the image of the family. Yep. No matter what happened. Yep. I I just it, I'm going to keep saying this throughout this part of your story. It takes a highly intelligent, self aware person. Mm to manage those thoughts sub 10 years old Mm. that is not normal i just need you to understand this (laughs) that is not normal that is the functioning of a highly intelligent highly empathic person you need a very high iq to pull that off so just so you know And that was just what was happening outside of the house. There's also things that were going on inside of the house. I was dealing with sexual abuse at home from people that lived with us, that were family, mm-hmm. from as early, I think, as seven, eight years old. And I still felt the need to have to make sure I protect the image of the family. Yeah. So I would go to my room and put myself in my closet and ask God, first off, why am I this different that I feel like things are after me? Mm. And two, Mm. why am I not smart enough to figure out how to make sure that I keep up with the intellect of my family? Mm. I don't feel like I'm doing this right. I feel like at any moment I'm going to slip and people are going to find me out. But I I have to be smart enough to figure this out. I have to. I'm going to keep asking you until you either tell me or something. But I I need to understand what I can do to keep it up. Mm. So between classes and a ton of extracurricular activities and humor. Hmm. I figured I could do a mix of those things and somehow be okay. Yeah. And on top of that, I was also a very sick kid. I was very sick. Hmm. I was in and out of doctors all the time. They didn't understand why. I would get scoped. I would get lab work done, going all over the state, trying to figure out what's going on with our daughter. And no one had answers for us. 
I was constantly um, throwing up, having diarrhea on a regular basis. Like I used to make the joke that the bathroom was my second room, Mm. that I would be in there almost as much, if not more than my own bedroom to sleep. Mm. And I would do homework from the bathroom because I'd be so sick and still do well in school. Because I knew I needed to. I would not let me being sick get in the way of the mission to keep the 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 image of the family that I that I respected up. Yeah. I was like, my parents worked too hard to come here. My parents have done too much to stay here. I will not let me being sick get in the way of that. I'm not gonna let bullying get in the way of that. I'm not gonna let sexual abuse get in the way of that. I will not. I already feel lesser than. So I'm going to do anything and everything I can to keep this up. And I did that for a long time until about 14 years old. The abuse had been happening most of that time. Family still had no idea. And I started writing poetry started writing a poetry book, but it was letters to God asking why am I like this? Um, Why do you, why am I here? I started thinking that my whole purpose was to be a jester and specifically a jester because I remembered as a kid seeing pictures of how the jester's face would be painted with a frown, but people didn't care because they were getting the laughs. So like you literally see that something's wrong, but you're so focused on getting what you want from them that you don't care to ask why this there's a permanent frown on their face. So I figured my job, I was like, Lord, you literally created me for other people to have joy despite me having a lack of it. Why would you do that to me? Why is that fair? Hmm. I was like, I know your word says that you love us all, but I must be the least loved Mm. of your children Mm. because this sucks. Mm. I can't take it anymore. Mm. So my poetry got dark Mm -hmm. and I started doing things to try to stop my life. And I had access to do that because my dad's a psychiatrist, so I could find ways to do what I needed to do. And eighth grade was also a very confusing year, I think, because in eighth grade, I was a cheerleader and in band and in marching band in the high school. And I was in the school play. So it's like every possible type of click you could have. I was in all of them. Mm -hmm. So that already made me confused about my identity. Where do I fit in? And I was still the black girl in the smart classes, as they would say. So there was still a lot of bullying. I was in a depression. um, And I didn't know how to process that. And I actually remember a day where I did not want to end my life, but I didn't know how to make the pain stop. Mm -hmm. And something told me to go to the kitchen and grab a knife. So I went to the kitchen and I stood by the the sink and I had a knife. And 
I knew I I was like, I know, I don't even like shots. So I don't even know why <laughs> I got the biggest knife in the kitchen. <laughs> Should have got the butter knife. Right. I don't know what I was doing. Uh-huh. But I was like, let me just do this. And I stood over the sink. And the next thing I remember was taking my hands like this. And I closed my eyes. And all of a sudden, I felt my hands swing to the left. And I look over and it's Kevin. And Kevin said, what are you doing? And I was like, I hate you. You ruined everything. And I just ran off. And he was like, what is going on? What just happened? And he came and found me. And I was like, how did you even know I was down in the kitchen? And he was like, I was playing video games. And all of a sudden, something told me to go to the kitchen. And I don't know why. I was just, and it was just pressing. And I just came. And there I saw you. And I was shocked at what I saw. And I just started bawling. Like I didn't even have words to explain yeah. how I got there. Yeah. But he saved my life. Saved my life that day. And I still attempted in other ways to mm-hmm. take my life. Um, and in that summer of eighth grade, I had music camp. And the last day of music camp, I took a ton of pills. And I could feel my heart palpitating. I was like, today's the day. I'm going to sing. I love music. I love singing. I'm going to just sing my heart out today. I'm going to go home. I'm going to go to sleep. and I'm never going to wake up. And that's just how I want to I want to go. But I had friends that were with me all the time, and they recognized that I was looking crazy that day because I was like, whoopty loopty swoopty. And they're like, Candace, what's going on? And I was like, I'm going to sleep today, and I'm never waking up. And they were like, what? hold on, people don't say that. What's going on? And so they went and told the music director. The music director told my parents. After the concert, my parents picked me up. We went home. They monitored me. And I didn't. And my life didn't end, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I spent the summer just processing what's going on. My parents talked with me, went to high school, which was a sad time for me because that was the first year Kevin went to boarding school. Mm-hmm. And so my best friend was leaving. I was also processing that during eighth grade year, knowing that he was going to be gone when I felt like I really needed him. And I just started high school and I became really angry, mm. very, very angry. And I didn't want to be angry. I didn't want to feel the way that I did, but it was like a culmination of so many things that I was like, I'm so sick of having to keep up this image. I'm so done with how people view my family. Like if I were to mess up, if I were to get a grade lower than Kevin from a teacher that we ended up sharing, they were going to come and tell me about it. I'm like, I don't need to know. Stop comparing me. Everyone stop comparing me. Mm -hmm. Everyone stop assuming that I have to meet the standard and that if I get anything lower, something's wrong with me. Stop talking to me about my blackness. Stop telling me that I'm... So I I'm look black, but I act white. Mm. Stop saying things like this to me. I'm you have no idea what's going on. As an Alushala kid, I'm not allowed to have problems. If I mention that I have problems, you guys freak out. I have to somehow stay happy, happy, joy, joy for everybody. And I can't I can't do this. So I became bitter. Mm-hmm. I came I became bitter with my fam- family. Um I was fighting my brothers all the time and they didn't know why heck I didn't know why yeah Yeah. (laughs) because it's not my natural nature just want to 
just hit people. But I started doing that even in school. I was hitting my friends' friends. I was, if I found out someone was doing something, next thing they know, I'm charging at them. I'm <laughs> pounding them. They're like, what happened? I was just walking down the hallway. Yeah. And I'm like, I heard something that you did to my friend and now I'm coming to get you. Yeah. Like, I was, I was just angry. Yeah. So just processed that. And my older brother found out from a friend in his boarding school that his sister was going to a boarding arts academy. And he was like, Candace is really creative. She's going through a lot. Maybe she would like something like this. So I applied to a school called Walnut Hill School for the Arts in Natick, Massachusetts, as a French horn major in high school. And I got in and I went to boarding school. And I used that as a way to run away from home. So my parents didn't send me. They weren't like sending us off to boarding school. Like I wanted to go and I, I did. And I also thought that if I could leave Kentucky, I associated any trauma to the state of mm, Kentucky. Mm, mm, so mm. if I leave Kentucky, trauma won't follow me. Right. I can create my own identity now. Like don't call me Candace, call me Candy. Mm. Tell me something that's fun yeah. and silly. It has nothing to do with what's going on at home. I had this whole other personality on campus, but I also had a love for the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I would bring my Bible with me everywhere. I started the Christian club on campus and all these atheist kids are like, what is this girl talking about Jesus on hmm. campus all the time? And it was just in my heart. I wanted to pray with people. I wanted to share the love of Jesus and I, I had always done that. I've always been that kid that wanted to share why I loved Jesus, even though I thought I was the child he loved the least. Mm -hmm. So I did that, and yet trauma followed me there too. Because everywhere you go, there you are. There I am. You can't run away from you. That's right. And I didn't know I was doing that. Wow. I thought I was running away from the trauma that's in Kentucky because that's all I associated it with. I didn't have trauma when I was in Pennsylvania. Mm. Why would there be trauma outside of Kentucky, mm. right? It's mm -hmm. a Kentucky issue. Mm. No, it's not a Kentucky issue. So I dealt with very similar traumas there that I did in the South. In fact, I had more racist issues in Boston oh, for sure. than I did in Kentucky. I for will say sure. that right now. For sure. Oh, absolutely correct. People assume that just because you're in the Northeast, everybody just. <laughs> no, not Boston. No, Boston, Boston is racist. Absolutely, it is. Okay. So I dealt with that. And also, one of, I was one of, I think there were maybe 10 black students on a campus of about 400. So we used to just stay together, you know, we didn't feel very safe mm -hmm. together um, on the campus. We found the brown students on campus, which was also just a handful. Mm -hmm. And we would just, we would stick together as black and brown students as a squad and try to make our own fun. And, you know, I, not that I didn't, I had white friends, y'all. Okay, let's not, <laughs> like I don't have no white friends. You, I had a lot of white friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but there were issues with, even processing the racism from my white friends too in the South. Um, I remember one incident where we went to what's called the Prudential Center and it's close to down, it's downtown Boston. And one of my 
guy friends wanted to go to Sephora. Mm -hmm. So we walk into Sephora and he has a backpack and I have, I have my purse and stuff like we're just hanging out. I don't know why he wants to go into Sephora, but we go in there and he's telling me, why don't you go and like walk over there? And I'm like, why? I don't wear makeup. I don't need it. I don't, I don't. I don't know what we're in here for. I've never been in the store. He's like, just, just go walk over that way. And I was like, okay. So I start walking over there. And of course the ladies in the store, they're like, do you need anything? Are you okay? All four of them. And I was like, I'm, I'm fine. I don't even know what these things are called. (laughs) I'm totally, I'm just waiting for my friend. Okay. And then they just stayed with me. I'm like, I really am fine. I don't know what's going on. Meanwhile, my friend's like, okay, we can go now. And we leave. And he was like, thanks. He had stolen like $400 worth of cologne and used me to do it. And just acted like we were just supposed to go back to campus and be bestie still. And I was like, am I am I processing this right? Did that just did that just happen? Not not him allowing racism to benefit his kleptomania. What? For him to gift to his significant other, he wanted to he wanted to get a gift. And I was like, okay. If that's not if that's not taking advantage of a racist system, I don't know what is. If anybody tries to make me believe that systematic racism doesn't exist you just gave a perfect scenario early 2000s early 2000s of systematic racism yeah. that is actually played out by somebody that knows ain't it amazing that the white dude knew that systematic racism existed so much that he could bring his pseudo black friend to run interference so that he could never even be questioned no one asked him if he knew anything of course of course. Like, you need four employees to help assist you with anything in that doggone store. Child, please. So I had to process a lot of things. I had to process a lot of things. I'm I processing d- a lot now. <laughs> <laughs> I processed a lot. Um, so I dealt with the racism. I still dealt with the sexual abuse, which is not talked about a lot for anyone who goes to boarding schools. That kids do have sexual abuse going on. In boarding schools and high schools. Facts. Um, and it should be talked about more. Um, so dealing with that, dealing from with it from friends, people that I thought were friends, mm. um, and, and the racism all at the same time, while still doing my best to not drop the ball for the image of the family. Can, can I, if you're opposed to elaborating on this, um, I would fully understand. Okay. But 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 would you be against um bringing a little more texture to the sexual abuse that's also mixed with racism? Because I think it's one of those interesting mixed signals that a lot of people don't discuss, mm. right? That a person could be racist but still want to objectify you right for their own sexual gratification right like like you know what i'm saying like it plays into the stereotypes of 
the white dude that has the fantasy of the black woman. Mm. I would never marry you, mm. but I want to do everything with you. Mm. The white girl, oh, I know this is going, three, two, one. The white girl that just wants mocha babies. Mm. Mm. Ooh, child. She's more in love with the thought of the children she'll have with this black man. Yes. Than the black man himself. That's right. I know I ain't lying. Mm. Ask me how I know. Mm. I just don't do. Would you mind elaborating on that? Just how you felt about that? Yeah. Because that's that's wild. Mm. Yeah. So. I'll give you a scenario. Please. Without being like graphic or anything. So. By the way, same guy who we went to Sephora in this in this scenario. So. Um, in, who was buying cologne for a significant other? Correct. So, um, in in the boarding school that I went to, we had dorm rules. Right, each dorm had a dorm parent that you would go, you would check in at a certain time to make sure everyone was in the dorm safely at night and stuff. Um, but on the weekends, more so on the weekends than on the weekdays, because obviously we need to be doing our homework and stuff. But we had the opportunity to visit each other's dorms. Like we had guys' dorms and girls' dorms. So you could, as a girl, go to your guy friend's dorm mm -hmm. as long as the doors were open. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Don't close the door because dorm parents come in real quick. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So you would never think if the dorm door is wide open. They don't call them quickies for nothing. Hmm. <laughs> okay. They can time that hall pass. <laughs> Hello. Hello. So you you it's not something you would think. These are people you hang out with, like we do music classes together, whatever, right? So I was in my guy friend's dorm. We were watching a movie. Um and we were all just like lined up on the bed, leaning up on the wall, watching. And it was me and the three guys. Two were white. One was half white, half Asian. And um, next thing I know, I'm being pulled in three different directions. They're pulling my clothes. They're going up and down all around and laughing their heads off. I'm petrified. Petrified. Freaked out. Don't know what's going on. And it just stopped and they are laughing their heads off. They had said the most horrific things to me that I never thought my guy friends yeah. would say about me or my body yeah. and hyping themselves up for copping a feel. A non-consensual copped feel. And then I had to just go back to my dorm. Check out. I I was shaking. I was like, I don't even know what to and you and we're gonna hang out tomorrow. Like we, like it didn't happen. We're gonna hang out. It happened with girls in the dorm. I had females in the dorm. I appreciate you. I appreciate your vulnerability right now. Mm hmm Cause it's facts. Females in the dorm mm -hmm. that would come white white girls. That would come to my room while I'm doing homework, 
which also we would usually have our doors open during homework time so they could see that we were doing mm -hmm, our homework. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And same thing happened there. Come into my room, pull me from my chair, throw me in the closet, cop a feel, laugh, and walk out like it didn't happen. And we have class together tomorrow. I have to go tell my dorm parent in tears what just happened. And they go, what do you mean? You're my parent away from my parents. But you're a white guy. Chow. So you don't even know what to do. No, you lack the balls to do it. That part. You, you do know what to do. Right. You literally don't have the testicles to do it. Right. And do you know that my biggest worry out of everything was not becoming a doctor like my dad? Mm. Despite all of that. Mm. Am I going to graduate with the grades that will make my father and mother proud? Mm -hmm. Am I going to keep up the the narrative of the immigrant parents that fought so hard for their parents to do for their kids to do better than they did? I have to. The mission is the same. No matter what's happened to me, the mission has to be the same. I think I think one of the reasons why I'm I'm so grateful f for how you are um, gifting this this narrative to us mm -hmm. is um, I cannot tell you how many children of immigrants have your story hmm. but feel like if they share it it tarnishes the work that their parents did to get out of the country that they were in to give their kids a better life. And they don't want to destroy the image of what they believe their parents are giving their children. And so they go through that abuse and they go through that pain because they don't want to ruin their parents' version of the American dream. Because obviously your mother and father did not move here for you to experience what you've experienced. But sometimes the reality is so devastating that we will acquiesce to the dream. Yeah. I'm going to let you have your dream. You want to honor it? Yeah. It's at my expense, though. So not only did they pay a price for the dream, you paid a hefty price mm -hmm. for the dream. And... You're giving us the gift of your vulnerability in a way that I think is going to help literally thousands of children of immigrants that have the story of coming to this country and having to deal with the brokenness 
of this country, of its system, of its children, of its the failure of the parents upon these children that grow up to be gropers, that grow up to be racist, that grow up to be bigots, that grow up to be so incongruent that they have they are passing on generational curses indirectly because they've never dealt with their shame. So the only thing they can do is push somebody in the closet and transfer as much shame on them as they could. I just appreciate you exposing it because that's not your narrative is, is, is familiar. I, 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 I guarantee you thousands of our dwellers are going to be raising their hands and going, girl, me too. So I just, before you go any further, Candace, I want to thank you for the bravery to go first. Because <laughs> you're giving thousands of people, both young men and women, the bravery to go second and third and 25th and 100th because they need to get this out. They're not supposed to live with this. They're not supposed to live with this. We we have we have fragilized our parents and been made to believe that they cannot handle our story. And we've done so at our own expense into our own demise. Sometimes physically some people have completed suicide. Emotionally, some people wind up depressed, chemically, clinically, emotionally, um, or, the, or we become the worst versions of ourselves. And, and because we're still trying to honor, our parents just think they're the wild one. They didn't know how to, <laughs> they, they don't appreciate what I did. And it's like, I appreciate everything you did, but what? what you did put me in a system that broke me and it's not their intent no it's not their they intent never even it doesn't even cross their mind yeah no that that should happen uh-uh. no parent because it shouldn't happen right 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 if your dad knows that i know the anger of a nigerian man come on now <laughs> if your dad finds out about this <laughs> psychiatrists are not the city of Kentucky <laughs> is going to lose some letters. <laughs> By the time this Nigerian man gets done with this state, it's going to be the state of Kent. I <laughs> love the state of Kent. The Ucky is going to be gone. <laughs> go. Go. Nigerian man tears down. Fried chicken flies everywhere. <laughs> Buckets of biscuits in oh the my air. Gosh. Oh. The colonel won't be able to <laughs> just go. Just go. Wow. I I I just it takes bravery to tell us what you're telling us. And I just want to commend you on it. Cause never if if shame if uh uh tell the truth and shame the devil was a person right now, it'd be you. Hmm. I promise you it'd be you. If, if tell the truth and shame the devil was a person right now, it'd be you. Because we're talking about a nuanced version of racism and sexual abuse 
that we usually don't hear. We hear it from the impoverished home with the broken family and raised by my mom. Daddy wasn't there. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Had to, I was transferred to, from house to house. And I grew up in a couple of group homes. I had to stay with my grandmother. And, you know, my half brother was there and mm-hmm. he touched me in the middle of the night. There's the, 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 stories for stories for stories. But we don't talk about it enough in successful families. Right. Right. Where all the optics look good. Mm. And then when we do hear it, it's like, that. that's a one in a million. There's no, how could it, I can't imagine that. Your daughter's a ho-ho at this boarding school, sir. Right. You sent a rabid lesbian to this boarding school and you thought because her grades came back every quarter Hmm. with a 3.7 GPA Hmm. that she wasn't trying to throw people in the closet Hmm. and see how far she could go. Hmm. Like we, we, let's not act like pain prefers a zip code. Come on now. Let's not act like perversion chooses socioeconomic lines. Mm. Let's not act like trauma chooses districts. Mm. You're going to find that. You're going to find that in a tent on Skid Row in California. Mm. And you're going to find it in a penthouse Mm. in New York City. I promise you're gonna find it everywhere. Satan don't care. Satan don't care. He doesn't go. Oh, oh, that's they're rich. Let me go. <laughs> what are you talking about? That them shoulders though. You got me you weak. Oh, 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 sorry. <laughs> he does not care. No, he doesn't. Not at all. Oh. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. deal with that gotta deal with the fact that abuse leads to addiction yeah pornography yeah everything Mm -hmm. i can't even remember when i first saw pornography Mm -hmm. but i saw it yeah and i kept seeing it yeah and i hated it yeah and it was part of my life right so it was eating yeah yep i ate like crazy yeah And part of the eating was also thinking that I didn't want to be heavier, but I wondered if being heavier would prevent less people touching me. And it didn't. It just, I guess, attracted those that were attracted to the voluptuous or something. (laughs) So I didn't know whether to gain weight or lose weight. Yo, heavy dropped in all the right places. They were still coming. It was like, okay. And I was like, that wasn't for you. This was my shield and armor. <laughs> I had them three pints to keep you off Away of me. Away from me. Uh, yes. uh, no, no, I'm, girl, you are nuancing in a way. I'm so refreshed by this. I'm heartbroken by it, but I'm refreshed by the vulnerability because we don't have enough people naming the reasons why. Hmm. Right? I know pornography for me was um, I didn't get to control the touch of my sexual abuser. Right. 
I could control my own. That. Mm. My God. So masturbation and self-pleasure was about, I get to control this. Yes. And then when I got into um, like a lot of massage parlors and stuff, mm. that was just little Timmy laying on a, laying on a massage table going I give you permission to touch me mm. now I have consent I get to control it now wow when I when I was being abused by my neighbor I didn't give him consent right. nor did he ask nor would he have cared right so I, I just say that because we got to stop looking at what people do mm without empathy Mm. people ain't there's never in the history of ever has an eight-year-old gone i can't wait to grow up so i can watch porn and overeat Mm. that's not on the thing to do list for kids (laughs) right like trauma is what makes us do stuff Mm. and if you never if you lack empathy you only look at what they do and not think i wonder why this became the self-medication. I wonder why this became the coping mechanism. I wonder why, you know what I'm saying? And so you saying that, like, that's why I perked up when you were like, I started eating because I'm like, I already know where this is going. Yeah. Candace is trying to put a shield around her body. Yeah. Candace ain't trying to be fat and gross and... Right. But maybe if I'm bigger... You'll leave me alone. Right. Then you find out it doesn't work. Right. So now you heavy and still unsafe. Still unsafe. And my Mm. thing was because I was acting out. Like I said earlier, I was getting angry. I was acting wild at home. Yeah. I was honestly, the biggest gift would have been to have my dad walk into my room and say, baby girl, What's going on? Yeah. Versus just assuming I'm just being disobedient or I'm just yeah. being disrespectful. I'm like, I'm I'm hoping you ask me the, the question. Right. I want, someone yeah, ask yeah, me yeah. the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please. I'm ready to tell Please, you. Please, someone yeah, ask yeah, me the question. Yeah. I will tell you everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll but start from the no beginning. If no one wants to know, yeah. then I can't taint the family. Yeah, yeah, yep, 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 yep. I yep. need permission to mm. know I'm safe enough to taint the family. But until someone asks me, I'm not saying I'm going to stick with the mission. So I graduate high school. I go to um, I go to high school in Tennessee or not high school, college in Tennessee to Bible college. And like the exact opposite scenario of Boston. It's like surrounded by atheists defending my faith and my body. And then I go to the South and they're like, you hear that kids have sex in the hallways in public school. And I'm like, what (laughs) are they telling you? I'm so confused. Like, who are you people? Like, uh, what is going on? So I'm like having to teach people what public school is really like. Well, there's a bunch of like, like the homeschoolers that wind up going to a Bible college. Homeschoolers and kids who only went to Christian, yep. like private academies yep, and yep. all grew up together in the exact same academy. So it's right. like whatever narratives were told in these little bubbles, that's what they learned. And I'm like, that is Twilight Zone stuff. <laughs> I don't know what 
I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I really don't. I I did public school for a long periodically time, and I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. So That's hilarious. So they they would ask me questions about public school, and I just be normal. Um, and yet trauma followed me there too. Mm. It followed me there too. The racism followed me on the Christian campus. Of course it did. Um, mm. the sexual abuse followed me to the Christian campus. I I will tell you right now, I I had a boyfriend in college. He was the most holistically abusive person I've ever met in my life. Mm. And I was at a low because in Bible college, with the first week of school, they tell you that you need to look to your left, look to your right, because you might be sitting next to your spouse. <gasps> Ring by spring. So that put a pressure on me that I never had in my life, yep. especially from immigrant parents. They're like, get a degree. Then, then <laughs> exactly. get married. What are you talking about? You do no, not need a husband. You don't need a husband. What are you doing I, with that husband? What husband are you talking about? What you will get is a degree. You don't even clean your room. Yeah. And you want to get a husband. <laughs> What is this foolishness? Ah. <laughs> it's hey, that. Ah. Don't let me call on the name of Jesus. <laughs> ah. Ah. That. Ah. Got me ah. weak. Okay. Oh don't talk God. about husband and this. Where are your grades? <laughs> Do you have an A? Your grades or your husband? Your husband. <laughs> don't come in here with these husband foolishness. Okay. So all the immigrant kids knew that that clearly was not our story. Maybe for the, the other kids, but our parents, we weren't coming back with spouses and things. That was mm -hmm. on them. But it put a pressure yeah, for that sure. I didn't know I was supposed to have, apparently. So mm. now I'm over here trying to get my BS degree and my MRS degree at the same time. I'm like, wow. oh, Lord, freaking out. So my self-esteem was low because yeah. I had gained all this weight yep. after, yeah. you know, you still had trying your protective to protect shield. myself. Yeah, from Boston. Yes. Yeah, you moved to Tennessee with your protective with shield. With my protective shield. <laughs> with your whole my armor Ephesians of God six. on. You had a whole armor of God flesh suit. I had my Ephesians 6 on over the Bible college. And oh, my goodness. they're telling me I need to get married. And I'm like, oh, dang, I my mom told me to pass my class. So that's, that's, that wasn't We got different shit, priorities. Man. Yes. I'm like, that wasn't in the syllabus. Uh -uh. What was that? What, what section of the syllabus is that? Where's my course? I need the course pleasure. Where does it say get a husband? I need to know. Is that junior year? I need to know. How that's many credits funny. do that I get to find this husband? That's hilarious. So, you know, I'm stressing out about school. And now I'm like, in the college realm. I'm like, oh, this is where it really matters. Am I going to be able to keep up with my grades? Am I going to, now I have an eating addiction mm. and I'm still sick all the time. And my doctors mm. don't know why. Mm. And I'm dealing with trauma Yeah, and I still have to keep up the image of the yeah. family. And you still getting good grades. And I'm still, I'm trying, Okay, but my grades started slipping. Okay. They started slipping and I was like, oh, this is this is the moment I've been waiting for since I was four. Mm. Like, I can feel it coming. Mm. I'm slipping. My grades are going from Bs. Now we're in Cs. And I was like, oh, God. Like, nah, this is it. This is it. I could feel it. Wow. And my parents are worried because they're like, what's going on with your grades? Like, your brothers are doing fine. Kevin was at Yale. So I'm like, I'm at a Bible college. My <laughs> brother's at Yale. And I came and keep my grades up at Bible college. Like, I'm feeling real slow. At this point, like I'm now, now my stupid is showing is how I was feeling, mm. and I'm I'm just feeling so bad about myself. So 
when a guy comes along and I'm finding out from a friend, this guy likes you. And I'm already getting the pressure. Like, I haven't dated. Mm. I haven't, like, any of that stuff. So, like, let me just take take this opportunity. Worst decision of my life. Worst four months of my life. Mm. And I started to understand, like, this is why girls don't just leave. They're like, oh, you should just leave if he's like that. Mm -mm. Mm. It's a psychological game. Abuse is a psychological game. Yeah. Right. So you, I remember trying to think of like, what are the safest ways to get out without ending up in like the backwoods of Tennessee? I want to leave. It's not that I don't want to leave, but I want to leave with my life intact. <laughs> I don't want to leave and be on Lifetime. Okay. I don't want to turn into a Lifetime movie. I'm not trying to be Unsolved Mysteries. No. I'm in Tennessee, in the woods, in Bible college. They will never find me. I need to figure that I used to. Oh, I prayed. Oh, I prayed to get out. Yeah. It was scary. And it was one of those situations where because it's Bible college, we saw this all the time with girls on campus, whether they were getting pregnant by guys on campus, but no one was questioning the guys. They're questioning the girls. It gives me anger. So it sorry. gives a lot of I anger, especially when it's theology majors. And, you know, that's their girlfriend. But the theology majors get to continue their degrees and their pregnant girlfriends have to leave campus. It's giving me John 8. Mm. It's it's always the woman caught in adultery. Yes. But 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 the woman is is brought before the before Jesus, but not the man. Correct. It always. is it's deplorable. Always. It angers me. So there's a there's a there's a. Um, I want you to keep going, but I just want to, uh, this needs to be, I just need to say this. I need you to see the common thread. I hope y'all hear the common thread through this narrative so far. And that is in both public and private spaces, hmm. Candace's body is not safe. Hmm. And I need you to understand Millions of women hmm. around the world. Hmm. Different type of scenarios. Mm -hmm. Same narrative. Yep. In both public and private spaces. Yep. Your bodies are not safe. Right. And it angers me deeply. Hmm. And it troubles me deeply. Hmm. That there are more unsafe spaces than there are safe spaces yep. for you, for your person. Yeah. For you as a person and for your body. Right. Right. I yes. have to, I have to yes. parse that out. Yes. 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 <laughs> for you as a person. Yes. And for your body. Correct. I'm not saying your personhood and your body are two different things. Correct. But who you are mm. in your skin yes. is already yes. made unsafe. Right. Then your body right. is objectified right. and made unsafe as well. Right. Y'all need to, y'all have to please pay attention to this. Okay. So you trying to leave to catch a predator. Mm -hmm. I prayed my way out of it. I had 
I have the gift of dreams. Beautiful. I started when I was around four, actually, when I was younger. Wow. And um, the Lord gave me dreams to let me know, like, the spirit with this guy is not one of mine. And trust me, I'm going to show you the way out. And he set it up so well for me to, I didn't have to do anything. He broke up with me. Praise the Lord. And it was amazing how that how that occurred. And the way that I went to my room and dropped on my knees uh, in worship uh, after that, I just, oh man, I did not know that it was just going to be that easy to get out. Mm. Um, and that was the summer before I went to be a missionary in Ecuador. You went to Ecuador. I did go to Ecuador. Yes. Awesome. So that summer we broke up, that was summer of 2011, and I went to be a missionary in what would have been my senior year of college. Okay. So broke up um, after during summer school, went home, told my mom, I feel like a walking corpse. Mm. Like he took so much from me mm. that I feel like I don't know how my body moves every day because it doesn't feel like anything is inside of me. So let let me just uh, let's not diminish the fact that four months is a long time oh, when you're yes. with that type of personality. Yes, that might as well be five years. It felt like five years, <laughs> one thousand percent. Yes, a mm -hmm. lot mm -hmm. can happen in four months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, hundred and twenty days with a terrorist. Hmm. can feel like a decade. Hmm. Ask Brittany Griner how Hello. long she felt like she was she was she was locked up. That part. Listen. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you got out. Got out. Told my mom I'm a walking corpse. And my mom didn't know the full context of what happened, but she could see I was broken. Yeah. And she looked at me. And she said, don't you dare let what one man does to you ruin it for who God has for you. Mm. And I heard her. I couldn't receive it at the time, but Understood. I heard what she said. Yeah, for sure. Because at that point, I was just going to go be a nun. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm just, guys are horrible. I'm not going yeah. to pray, yeah. marry, and be on my way. I was like, I'm not doing this. Yeah. So Jeez. Mm. broke up June, went to be a missionary in August with this trauma that I'm still dealing with. Wow. In a country where I don't speak the language yet. I kind of understand it. Yeah. But like, it's Ecuadorian Spanish, and it's yeah. cool. They teach us like, Spanglish, like Mexican Spanglish. Right, 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 right. So I I actually had prayed and God had opened that door for me to go. And when I got there, my prayer was, God, I want to be vulnerable to the Holy Spirit. So I I need to hear from you while I'm here. And I need to get the tongues because I can't have my students failing because I don't know no Spanish. <laughs> so I need you to help me hablar this Espanol, Lord. Help me to hablar. I'm weak. Okay, we need to hablar over here. So, <laughs> so I, within three months, I was able to speak the language. I was understanding people. And 
Um, my I had theology students. I was teaching. I was teaching physics, uh, biology, uh, music classes in ninety English. days. Yeah, and they, I mean, day one they expected me to teach it in Spanish. I was like, "Yo, <laughs> que chistoso, mira, I don't know how to speak this español. What are you talking about?" So I had to pray. I had my textbook in English and theirs in Spanish, and I would just compare. I'm like, "Okay, this physics word here looks like this physics word over here. So maybe that's maybe that's the same thing." Right, okay, right. And I'm trying to. Figured wow. out, Lord Jesus, it was a lot. But we, wow. we, we got it together. And wow. my students did okay. Um, and I went through a spiritual journey there. I cut my hair there. And I I cut it with uh, my friend who was a missionary there with me, Rebecca. And she found kindergarten scissors and cut off my hair because I used to relax my hair. Mm-hmm. And the replay in my head of what my ex-boyfriend would tell me about... Um, he was my first black boyfriend too. Mm-hmm. I'd never dated a black guy before. Mm-hmm. And he kept telling me when we were dating, like, if you cut your hair, no one will love you. Guys only want bone straight hair from their black women. So if you cut your hair, you're going to instantly be ugly and no one will marry you. That tape played in my head for so long. I was like, if you don't cut my hair, I think I'm going to go insane. And she cut my hair and the way it was like the voice just left me. It was so spiritual me i've not gone back my hair has just been it's gorgeous thank you it's royal thank you it's regal thank you it's yours thank you it's natural thank you it is beautiful thank you it is bold thank you it is god's gift to you thank you and forgive me mama that rusty nigga lied (laughs) Should be my only one. I apologize. I've tried my best through this entire narrative, but right now, oh, you need to get it out. You need to get it out. That rusty nigga lied. He don't speak on behalf of all black men. Hmm. My wife has natural hair. Hmm. It ain't been relaxed in a two decades, maybe. Hmm. Uh uh-uh. uh Who does he speak? He don't. Sp- who he? Hmm. Mm. Mm-mm. I don't like him. <laughs> I hope you watch him. I'm not I saying hope I don't. He's saved. Yeah, me too. I'm not saying I don't like him like right right now, but I don't like him as he was yes. at, at the time, time you were mm-hmm. with him. Yes. Just so y'all know how my like don't work. <laughs> <laughs> oh my yes. gosh. So you know, I I went through that there that very therapeutic spiritual moment one i didn't have my hair to hide behind anymore because yeah. i used to use it to like cover half of my face mm. not because i was trying to be emo but it was because i thought i was ugly like mm. i wanted to cover my face with my hair mm. and the only reason why i relaxed my hair was because i went to a school with the white girls so in like third grade i started saying like the kids keep calling me mop head and i get beat up and i wouldn't tell my parents this i would just go mom i need to have hair like the white girls and she's yeah. like no, you don't. Yeah. You really don't. Yeah. But I would just bawl. And she was after, I think by the time I got to middle school, she's like, I can't keep seeing you crying like this. Right, right, Let's right. go right, ahead and relax your right. hair. Because I was like, I, I couldn't tell her why. Yeah, you were assimilating. Yes. You wanted to fit in. I needed to fit in. Yeah. Maybe they would stop talking to me or bullying me or all that stuff. So yeah. it was wild for me to have my hair cut and I had this low cut and everything. And 
at that time, Ecuadorian um, black women didn't have their hair natural. Mm -hmm. So the black girls were like, what are you doing? Mm. We don't do that in the country. Mm. Like for them, it was very, like we don't show them what our real hair looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I loved it. And I was at the point where like, you know, it's one thing when people just come and like rub their hands in your hair. At that point, I was like introducing them. I'm like, no, please come and touch my hair. This is you need yeah, to know. Yeah, yeah. This is what this, this is. is what comes yeah, girl, out of my head. Girl, yeah. I was educating. I did not care. I do that today. Yeah. I will tell people. I'm like, yeah. ask me. Yeah. I'm probably that one black person who will let you touch the hair if you ask them. Because mm-hmm. I want you to. But I you want gotta you to learn. ask though. Don't just come. Ooh, I'm like. Ooh. Yeah, that's nasty. Don't. Hey. Yeah, you still gotta ask though. Yeah, but if you ask, I will gladly educate. I am that person. And that's because of my mom. She always told us to step into rooms, be extraordinary and uncommon, and show them something that TV will not show them. So, I love your mama. Child, I love your mama. Mm-hmm. So, so let, me, let me testify to that. Um, so, I'm in process group therapy with... Um, I'm in my sixth year and I pay thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. to be in this process group, group therapy up until this year. This is year six. Uh, This is the first year that um, an African-American beside myself is in the, is in the um, group. It has been either all white. I think one year we had a Hispanic, but it's usually just been all white. And these are upper, upper, upper middle class and or multimillionaires. Like bought a business, flipped it, took the money. I think I'm going to chill for seven months and just go hike a mountain. Right. Right. Or, um, uh, yeah, we own this business and we bought a house here Mm. and we bought a new jet. And so now we got to learn how to fly that one. Mm. And as soon as we do, I just want to get all my friends in the jet and fly up to our house on top of a mountain and just hang out there and our butler's there, mm. uh, you know, all year, but we're only there for like two and a half months a year. Right? Right. Stupid money. Right. Yeah. So I'm in this uh, now. I don't have that type of money. <laughs> <laughs> Let him be. Clear. Let's be clear. I don't have that money. Um, but I knew I needed to be in that room. Mm. I needed to be processing at that level. So I don't kill nobody. Fair. Um, and so I got in that room and it didn't realize for, again, remember, six years. Mm. I don't realize for four and a half. Mm. No, no, maybe it wasn't that long. I don't realize for four years that I'm still code switching. Mm. Like I am still assimilating my vocabulary mm. to make white people feel comfortable. Mm. And I am paying the same amount of money to be in this room that that they are Mm. and I'm still not showing up as my authentic self Mm -hmm. and after four years I told them I pay too much damn money to be in this room with y'all yep I'm not gonna be code switching no more right I said so whatever you hear come out my mouth that causes you some type of consternation (laughs) mercy lord okay if you hear me use a word if you hear me use a phrase and it makes you uncomfortable or triggers you or it makes you curious. Why is Tim talking like this? Um, just ask. Yes. Just ask me. 
Yes. I said, but I pay too much money to be up in here with y'all. I ain't going to, I'm not doing it no more. Right. And they were like, oh, we want you. We can handle right. who you are. Can you? And, and they could. Oh, and could. Good. Praise God. And could. They were like, we love you. Okay. We love you for you. But once I was in the room with the top 1% white people and didn't have to code switch, I said, I bet y'all nobody ever get me to do that again. <laughs> if I ain't got to do it in this room, That's I right. bet you nobody's going to make me do this again for the rest That's of my right. life. Come I walked on. out of that room and got to bopping my head. <laughs> and everybody was like, <gasps> but it was actually white people that gave me that extravagant gift. Mm. They gave me the extravagant gift of not, they gave me permission. Not They were like, you ain't got to assimilate. Now, here's the thing. I didn't know I needed permission. Mm. I'm glad for the bl black people that have been awakened and never had, never needed no permission. Da, 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 da. But uh, listen, I grew up in LA. I got a high school diploma. I had to try to figure it out. And I, whether I was at Potter's house or Gateway or halfway around the world, mm. I'm trying to figure out what the culture is mm. so I can play the game so I can make it where I need to be. Mm. And then I was only me this version this full expression of me when i was at home or with my closest friends right and i just thought that needs to be accepted everywhere and if you don't just don't invite me right just don't tell me to come because i won't it, it, it'll help you out yeah because i'm not co-switching no more yep and then that's when i started doing different stuff with my hair mm -hmm. and i wasn't just trying to have the safe hairstyle yes um and you know what that means, yes. right? Like the safe hairstyle, yes. um, the corporate hairstyle. Yes. I'm like, you about to get these two strands twists, Hello. and you about to get, you about to, you about to get this thing spiraled up, going to the high heavens. Come on, I have now. don't 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 be mad because my hair naturally turns into a crown. Come on, it ain't now. my fault. Come on now. So, um, I I commend you because that is a I, w I was in um, UK and the Lord gave me a word for a girl and I didn't want to give it to her. I was, it was a black girl, African girl in the UK. We were at this camp, five day camp festival deal and I had to preach there. Mm. And the Holy Spirit said, I have a word for her, go give it to her. And I was like, no. Cause sometimes the Lord be telling you to say stuff and you'd be like, I'm not telling nobody that they, right. they going to spit in my face. Jesus, right. what you got me out here getting accosted for? He was like, tell her. And so I walked up to her. I was like, Hey, I feel like God gave me a word for you. Can I give it to you? And she was like, yeah, I was like, it's kind of private. And she was with a white girl. I was like, it might be kind of private. She was like, no, no, my friend can. I was like, okay, I'm just submitting this to you. And I'm just, you know, I'm giving a bunch of disclaimers. Right. You know what I mean? I'm like. I'm doing everything, right? I'm color purple in the whole thing. Me and you shall never part. Nah, she died. If they don't do that on the new one, if they don't say nah, she, it's da, not, da, it's then not, it's not color it's purple, not and I'm gonna tell Oprah I want my money back. At anyway, <laughs> so I told her I was like, I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to tell you that He wants to see you with your natural hair. She had on a wig at the time. Oh, 
And she looked, she said, What? I said, I think the Holy Spirit told me to tell you that he wants to see you with your natural hair and that you don't have to hide under a wig no more, that he wants to do something with your natural hair. Listen, I would love to tell you that that girl broke down crying and got delivered and her hair and her and she threw her wig on the floor and got to buck dancing in the street. She looked at me like I had boo-boo, literally, written on my forehead, boo Boo. No. Um, she was I mean, it didn't end like that rough, but it just ended kind of like, well, thank you. And I was like, okay, bye. Right. Like, oh God, Jesus. Thank <laughs> you. Can I go to bed now? Cause, cause right. I, that's all I want to do for the rest of the night is just sleep it off. I yes. just want to sleep off that word. Yes. It 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 is a for a black woman to wear her natural hair, mm. however that manifests itself. Yes to me is a declaration of power mm. and of pride mm. and of love and of identity mm. it's just a i'm i'm just i'm just a huge fan of it mm. i really am i'm a huge fan of it um i understand why we do the wigs and the i understand it um, but I, I, I understand it, but I, I would never demand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would never demand it. Yeah. And that's why any, any woman I see with a natural, I don't want to say any, many women that I see with naturals, I go out of my way mm-hmm. to tell them how beautiful their hair looks mm-hmm. and, and just to see their shoulders rise yeah. and that smile beam across their face. It's just, I don't get tired of it. I just don't get tired of it. So I am, uh, I celebrate you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I celebrate you. <sighs> Cut this hair. Let it start growing. Came back from Ecuador speaking Spanish. Hey. It was amazing. Finished out my senior year of college. And I was pre-med at the time. And I was actually in Ecuador when Kevin was on the sing-off. Wow. So I missed the whole show because we didn't get the sing-off in Ecuador. <laughs> I bet you didn't. So I show up back in the U.S. and they're like, oh, my God, you're Kevin and Lucia, this is for Betasonics. And I was like, ah, I'm an <laughs> introverted girl who just needs to graduate college. What are you doing? I'm not famous. I'm a biochemistry major. Leave me alone. Like, I was so scared. So scared. <laughs> Greatness. It was freaky. Um, so all of a sudden, people knew me before I got back to campus and all this stuff because of Kevin. And did um, Kevin just like sing the whole the whole season with like a picture of you around his I chest? I, I don't know how everyone. <laughs> How's he putting your whole family on blast? People knew, like people knew he was my brother, and so when got you, people would like say like, "Oh, she goes to our school, like, and she's a missionary. She should be coming back next year." Blah, 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 right. So I come back, actually live with Kevin and Avi at the time before he left the group. But like mm-hmm. it was at the beginning stages. Mm-hmm. So I lived with them for the summer and they're, they just moved to L.A. I'm now back in the States. I've had this spiritual transformation with the Lord. It's been healing for me and everything. Um, Kevin is going through trying to explain the Sabbath to the group. We have this conversation. We go into the word. We study Sabbath together. I'm like you got to go tell them about the Sabbath, man. Like. 
that's a yeah. conviction. Yeah. Don't if the Lord called you to this. Yeah, absolutely. Sabbath would not need to be an issue. Right. And he's like, you know, but they're telling me that the most money is made on a Friday night and a Saturday night. And I was like, the Lord owns the money everywhere. So it don't matter what. night. Booyah. Absolutely. And he was like, OK. Yeah. So I'm just going to talk about the Sabbath then. Yeah. So and it they got Grammys and yeah. everything, you know, so I got to see this narrative unfold for him. And at the time I was studying for the MCAT. And I didn't know how to get out of the idea of becoming a physician because I realized while I was in Ecuador, I definitely should not have, should not be a physician. <laughs> I knew it in my spirit. Yeah, I can't be a physician, but I thought that that's what my dad wanted me to do, especially since Kevin ruined everything and went to be a musician. So I'm <laughs> next in line to be the doctor. Right, right. So extra pressure on me. So what do I do? I went and purposefully failed the MCAT. And... <laughs> um. I did. I is did. Is this the first time you're saying this publicly? No, this is okay. Probably thank the you, second Jesus. Time. Second time. Second I didn't. Time. I didn't want your father to no, appear no, no, no. in the house. What did you say? <laughs> no, I went in there. And what I was is like, this? <laughs> <all right. laughs> I went in there and I was just like, click, 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 click. I don't know what it says. Click, 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 click. And I walked out and I was like, I failed it. <laughs> and of course, everyone's mad because I wasted money to fail to test on purpose but i was like i don't know how else to get out of this got you so i failed it started senior year started doing research and being in um being in a school where you're already looked down as this black science major mm. female i was starting to do really well in the research department and um i did so well that i graduated finished school um, stayed an extra year and God gave my mom a word first and then me and then my dad that I was going to go to pharmacy school. Mm. So um, I came back to the school, got did some prereqs before pharmacy school while finishing my research. And I actually became the first student at my school to do the American Chem Chemical Society's national meeting here in Dallas. What? So I put us on the map for ACS and I know it wasn't me. The way that I was trying to, do, my labs were messing up all over the place. But for some reason, my lab was received by the ACS National Committee. And I came out here and got to present my research and people were floored by it. I was like, this has never been me. Kevin and Kellon, my brothers, have always been the people that people are talking about their intellect and how great they're doing and stuff. I'm like, how, how did I get here? I've been faking being smart, I feel. And now I'm putting my whole school on the map for research that I've done. And like some of the top researchers in the country are coming to like glow and like pull their colleagues to come see my research compared to everyone else's in there. Like I felt so confused, but just so grateful at the same time. I was like, Lord, I don't, I honestly have no idea what's going on. And I know it's not me. It has to be you. And I'm just going to say, thank you. Like, I'm shocked. I cried with my mom. I was like, I've never felt so seen before in a such a positive way. And I'm so uncomfortable, but I like I receive it, but I'm I don't I don't know what to do with it. It was just a lot. Um, but I did it and I started pharmacy school, got into pharmacy school, and pharmacy school was so hard. Um, I was in my second relationship. Um, the guy was a PhD. And he worked for the Navy doing some really cool research himself. And I felt inadequate being his girlfriend. It's like, I don't know if you want to date someone like me. I'm not as smart as I might seem. And 
you're African, so like, I don't know, like, you're Nigerian, I don't want to be the slow African wife, like, you know, I was like going through all these things um, in my head, but, you know, we went through our relationship, and I was struggling in, in my first semester of pharmacy school, and by the time I got to the end of pharmacy, the first semester of pharmacy school, I failed one class by 1.3%, and it was the first class I ever failed, mm. and I was the first person in my family that I knew of that had failed something, mm. so now I was like, so you're telling me I just failed my first class and my brother just won his first Grammy. I lost it. I was like, now everything that I've worked hard for since I was four is exposed. Mm. I made it to like 26. Mm. <laughs> and now the streak is ruined. Mm. I am found out. Mm. Um, so me and the boyfriend, we ended up breaking up for completely different reasons more for spiritual when mm -hmm. we were not equally yoked so mm -hmm. um we broke up around the same time that i found out that i failed my first semester and i had to come back and repeat so started over and m mind you i was actually in at that time the number four top pharmacy school in the country i didn't want to go to that school because it was in kentucky it was university of kentucky wow and i've been running away from kentucky for so long yeah I went and looked for schools that were at the bottom of the list. And I was like, Lord, I can't do this. I'm going to find the lowest ranked pharmacy schools. Mm. And through my mom, the Lord was like, you should probably try UK. And I was like, I don't think I have the grades to get into UK. And yet I was the only one in my school that got into UK compared to all the other students who did better grades than me. Wow. And all of that. Wow. So I got in. Failed the first semester, had to repeat, and I started doing better in school my second time around, and then I started getting sicker. I got really sick, so I started developing food allergies. I was covered in hives, swelling, eyes closing shut, ears swelling, forehead swelling. Um, my hands would swell my arms would swell welts down my legs and I started having to dwindle down my food mm. little by little um and then my menstrual cycle started changing so I went from having a seven-day cycle to a 10-day cycle to a 14-day cycle to it not stopping they found fibroids mm. in my last year of pharmacy school mm. so the closer I'm getting to the end of pharmacy school my body is crashing on me between these food allergies and my fibroids. And it got to the point where I couldn't sit through a class without soaking my pants, these 15 minute classes. And I'm like praying cause I sat in the front row and I'm like, I'm going to have to get up and figure out a way to get up, get a, I had to get the depends pads and run to the bathroom, change my clothes. If I, if anything happened, I always had a pair of change in my um, locker to change into and then go back to my next class. And I was getting weaker and weaker and mm. weaker all the way through third wow. year of pharmacy school. Wow. Finished, won an award for being the most altruistic student that year. I don't know how I did it because I was running on E. My hemoglobin was on the floor. I could barely see straight. I could <sighs> barely make it to class on time. I could barely get up. And I was voted the most altruistic student who's going to like... 
do great things in the field of pharmacy. And I was like, who are y'all talking about? I've never won an award for academics in my life. That's what my brothers do. Mm. That's what my parents do. I don't do that. But here I am. I'm about to have my name on the wall, which is crazy because when I first came to the school, the, the semester that I actually failed, I sat in that lobby and I said, Lord, I want to end up on the wall one day because there are two only, there were only two black pr- professors in the whole school. And my graduating class of 140 students had three white people or three black people. I was one of them. Mm. And so the only black faces on the walls were those two professors. So I just said, Lord, I want to be on the wall one day. Forgot about it until that award. Now my name is on the wall. One of the only, like, one of the only black names on the wall of any anything that's an award in that school. Wow. I was like, God remembered my prayer. I forgot it. <laughs> so I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. So I win the award, go on rotations for fourth year. I have to start out rotations doing fibroid removal surgery. Um, by the end, I end up having three fibroid removal surgeries, two blood transfusions, and I still graduated on time still graduated on time with no energy low blood the way I that was actually the year that Mike Todd was preaching about the woman with the issue of blood Mm. and I used to pray I was like Lord I don't know if there's a spiritual hem that I can touch but I don't remember what energy feels like. And I feel like if I can picture myself touching your hem, I can get up and go to my rotation today. I used to wear a TENS unit under my clothes because the cramping was so bad, just so they wouldn't say the black girl is failing again. Because I already failed at the beginning. And there were professors trying to figure out how to get me to not pass. And not graduate. I was like, no, I'm graduating. I don't, to, I don't care about the Crayola, my diploma. Yeah, for sure, for I sure. will walk this graduation. Right. And I did. I crawled on my hands and knees, blood, sweat, and tears to graduation. And no one knew about it except for like three people. Because I didn't want them to have any reason yep. to kick me out. But I finished. I graduated. And then I started my master's. <laughs> I got my master's in public health. So I, I, and so I ended up being the daughter that got, I got the doctorate degree. So now I'm like, wow, I thought Kevin was going to be the doctor first. I didn't even think I was able to be a doctor of anything. And I'm the one who became a doctor. I couldn't believe it. So, so here's the thing that's very interesting to me is that you could you you could be traversing this ascent of higher learning and intellectual rigor and not see yourself that whole time like that's why do you think that is maybe that's the wrong question what See myself in what way? Like you couldn't see yourself smart. No. You couldn't see yourself intelligent. 
I was still my trauma. I no, I get it. Like no, I get that. Yeah. It's just that to be making those kind of markers and still be like, I don't understand how I'm up here. Well, nobody's on the top of Mount Everest because the helicopter dropped them. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But but it 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 does speak to how blinding trauma can actually be. Mm. That you could actually be ascending a mountain and still think you're at the base. Oh, yes. That's just... Yes. I that's thought, wild. I thought I was still at the bottom. I was like, man, I was like, Oh, I graduated pharmacy school and like I'm thinking my brother has two Grammys now. Like I'm like I was like, there's still so much that I felt like I needed to attain. Mm. Um, but I was proud of myself for becoming a doctor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. You know, so that was awesome. And then I started my master's online while I was recovering from everything. And something I didn't bring up is that the last day of my last pharmacy rotation when I left the building this is this was the third time in my life that this happened I walked out of the building and immediately felt like I woke up from a coma Mm. I didn't know like how did I get here what am I doing here where am I Mm -hmm. what is going on the other times that that happened was when I came back from being a missionary in Ecuador I came back Landed in America and immediately felt like I woke up from a coma and didn't know what happened. Mm-hmm. The second time that happened was when I broke up with um, my Nigerian boyfriend during pharmacy school. That I was like, I actually called my mom and I had this tormenting season right before God told me you need we need to break up. Like this shouldn't be a thing. And then I called her and I was like, Mom, was I in a was I in a relationship? She's like, Yes. Like I don't remember. Like, I feel like I have someone else's memory of the relationship, but we just mm. broke up yesterday. Mm. And so leaving pharmacy school, it was the third time that that happened. And I always went back to my four-year-old self. Like my four-year-old self was waking up in a 30-something-year-old's body and going, how did I get here? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, for sure. So that happened. Started getting my master's. Passed my boards the next year. And then COVID happened. So I got my I got my license like three weeks before COVID lockdown, mm-hmm. started working as a pharmacist that summer. And within a month of me working there, I already knew I was going to be leaving. I was like, I'm not going to be doing this. Things are shifting. <laughs> Things are shifting in the pharmacy air. And I'm not down for this. So this is not what I got my degree for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started doing podcasting. And I was doing public speaking. And I realized that I had a heart for being on the mic so Mm. much greater than Mm. anything I've ever done in my entire life. Mm. And I already had a name for my podcast and I had called it First Paso. You should know Paso. First Pass. First, not Pass. Not Pass? Paso. Step. Oh, Paso. Paso. Paso is Step. Mm -hmm. First Paso. So I started that and I launched it. Um, right when it's like the George Floyd, Breonna Taylor incidents has happened. Um, cause my next door neighbor's older sister was Breonna Taylor's best friend. Mm-hmm. So my neighborhood was like on edge about it. We lived an hour away from where she was murdered. And I was like, this is the time to launch my podcast. So I launched my podcast 
while I was working as a pharmacist and I realized like my heart for pharmacy is dwindling and my love for speaking to people and interviewing them and talking to them is growing. So um, I start wrapping up my master's and I'm doing the podcast. I'm getting speaking gigs and I noticed that I'm getting anxious about graduating because this is my first time since I'm since I was four years old that I wouldn't be in an education system. Mm. So I started looking for another master's. I was like, I'll do an MBA. I'll do an MPA. I'll do an, anything. And the Lord was like, absolutely not. You are done. You will not be getting another degree. I was like, okay. So I started having panic attacks and almost dropped out of my master's program a month before graduation. Cause I, I just could not process the idea of not being in education anymore mm-hmm. and graduated. And then I started fasting and praying about my, my job because I said I was going to hold out until I finished graduating and then maybe look for a different pharmacy job. What am I going to do? So I wrote out a plan and was like, Lord, I'm going to write the plan, but you can't erase it, scratch it out, throw it away, that you part. whatever you want. Whatever I'm just writing it. Yep. So I have the peace of mind that I wrote out a plan and then just deuces for right, my right, job, right? right? So let me do that. So I started fasting and praying and God told me to go to Exodus 5 where I left off in the Bible because I was reading the Bible front to cover and I was in Exodus. So I went to Exodus 5 and it was where Moses is trying to talk to Pharaoh about like, let the people go. They need their Sabbath. And he was like, Sabbath, how about double the work? Right, right, right. Bam, he was like, okay, that's the opposite of what I asked for. Right. Okay, you know, and so they were, the Lord, the Holy Spirit was telling me like, this, like how Moses is approaching Pharaoh is how you have been in your workplace. Mm. Every time you advocate for the profession and what's going on, that's unethical. They're coming after everyone else because you're speaking up. Right. And so it was like, you're not leaving in 90 days. You're leaving in less than 90 days. And I was like, okay, a week later, you're leaving in less than 60 days. And I was like, okay. Okay. He's like, you're leaving in 30 days. And I was like, Lord, this is a 30 day fast. So where's the 30 day starting? Was it, is the, is your 30 starting from when I started the fast? Cause if that's the case, that's next week. Right, 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 right. So I need to know (laughs) what your 30 is. Right, right, right. Okay. Right. It was, it was that next week. Okay. He was not playing. Nope. He gave me a date. He said, write your resignation letter. This is the date I'm giving you. And he showed me dreams of what was going to happen. Every dream he showed me happened in the order it ha- that he showed me. And I left and I was home. So now this is the first time in my life that I'm without education to cover me. Mm-hmm. I'm without a job to cover me. Mm-hmm. I am left with me in my home. I wasn't scared to leave pharmacy because I was like, I actually do have a doctorate degree. Hold on. Oh, I do have a master's. I can do it. I don't have to be back here to count all these little pills over here. Mm, I'm good. I'm done. Y'all think this little black girl can't do anything, but I've done a lot. I'm tired. Y'all don't know my story. I'm me and Jesus will be just fine. Right. And I left, but then I had to sit with myself and I was in my wilderness season, Tim. Wow. Ooh, I was in my wilderness season at the end of 2021. Sat through that and had to process that I wasn't getting as many speaking gigs anymore. They actually slowed down. Mm -hmm. And the Lord asked me at the end of the year for 2022, um, a question for my theme for 2022. He asked me, are you ready to run? Mm. And I was like, run, what are you running? 
me too. I don't know what that means. I was like, Lord, I don't know if that was you because you've never asked me a question as my theme for the year. So maybe that wasn't you. Within 30 minutes, are you ready to run? It's like, okay, that's the second time you've asked me. Okay. Right. Hour before midnight. Candace, are you ready to run? And it felt like a coach that was trying to get you ready to go into the ring. Mm -hmm. Like, are you ready to do this? And mm -hmm. I was like, I don't even know what this is, mm -hmm. but I'm going to say yes, because mm -hmm. you sound serious. Mm -hmm. By January 1st, I started having allergic reactions all over again, like crazy. I started having... 2023? No, 2022. Okay, gotcha. 2022. Okay, gotcha. The allergic reactions started coming back. I was swelling up. I, anything I ate, I started to swell. I was dealing with the cramping again. And mm -hmm. also I was like, whoa, like what is going on? I'm starting to get speaking gigs again while this is happening. So I'm trying to like navigate being a, a motivational speaker now and my health crashing again. And mm -hmm. I have no idea why. Um, I start meeting people coming. They're coming into my life. I met a famous YouTuber. We became like best friends, but then it became unhealthy. And mm -hmm. the Lord told me to separate from them. Um, I started having like demonic attacks um, to the point where like I didn't have control over my own body. I was flailing and I was trying not to look like I was because I realized like my in my mind, I'm like, OK, I'm in public. But I feel like if I don't hold on to something, I'm going to look like I'm possessed. Yeah, like that's sure. how I felt. So I was praying, crying out to God, asking like, why do I need to like separate myself from this person? What is going on? I don't understand. I feel like I'm in a cloud. I'm, I'm confused, nearly passed out, ended up on bed rest, needed to be monitored. And this happened for most of 2022. Mind you, I started reading um, Tony Evans book on spiritual warfare at the top of that year, just because of how serious that question sounded. Yeah, And so I'm, studying spiritual warfare. I'm watching embassy city videos. Mm -hmm. I'm watching your sermons. I'm watching Jerry flowers. I'm watching transformation church. I'm, I'm looking up things on spiritual warfare and I'm like crying out to God, like what is going on? Every time you tell me to leave one person, someone else comes with the same message. And the message was from all like four or five people that came one after the other. It was, you are able to do great things. I can take you to the next level. I can help you make money you've never seen before. I can reach you to the heavens and stars. Will you take it? And I was like, why does this feel like Matthew 4? Mm. This whole year feels like I got this for you. If you take it, I'll mm. give you everything. Mm -hmm. And it got so bad that I started to feel like I didn't remember anything else in almost the state of torment and insanity mm -hmm. that if I can't remember anything else, I remember my Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I know what my Jesus would tell me. And there's things that are happening to me that I know would not be my Jesus. Mm. Like this urge to get up and just run to my house and it would be like this voice that's angrily telling me, go to your home, close your doors, lock, like lock the doors, turn off the lights, go to your room, close the door and never come out. Do not talk to anybody. Do not tell anybody what you're going through. Nothing. For sure. Like, why would God isolate me? Wouldn't do he it. literally, he is Elohim. Elohim is in and of itself, 
a community. Yeah. So I don't know who's telling me that, but yeah. I know that's not my Jesus. Right, for sure. Absolutely. All scripture good. went out my head. Yep. Everything went out of my head, but yep. that did not. Yeah, for sure. Like, I know. Yeah. I'm meant to be in community. Yeah, for sure. But I didn't understand why I kept having this urge to run like it was something else that was not me. Mm-hmm. That would want me to get up and just start running away. Mm-hmm. So there was a night, um, first weekend of last October. Mm-hmm where I was about to lead up my online Bible study that I had had for a few years and the torment was happening again. And I call my dad and I'm like trying to explain to him what's going on, but I'm not making any sense. I'm barely understanding what's going on. And he starts talking to me and I felt like I was falling out of the sky and like the voices were getting louder. Like they did not want me to hear what my dad was saying. Mm-hmm. And eventually my mom gets on the phone And now they're both talking to me and they're praying over me and I'm crying out to God. And I'm like, God, I know you would not say this. Who is this talking to me? I don't want it. I can't handle this. What is going on? I somehow figure out a way to collect myself enough to go through the Bible study, get off the Bible study and the torment just kicks back on again. I call Kevin. Kevin's like, what is happening? He calls mom. So those two start praying (laughs) over me and I'm like, Lord, I'm tired. I text one of my pastors at church and I'm like, we have to talk tomorrow. Something's telling me not to talk to you. And I, and because it's telling me not to, I'm going to do it because mm. <laughs> there must be a reason why they don't want me talking to people. Right. So I go to church the next day. I tell the pastor, I'm like, I'm just going to unpack as much as I can think of while I'm actually in torment in front of you. And I'm trying not to convulse in my chair. And I said, something keeps telling me I need to run to my father because the theme song God gave me, was run to the father. And I was mm-hmm. like, Lord, isn't that what I do all the time? I run to you all the time. Mm-hmm. And it was like, no, run to your father. Mm. The father I gave you. Mm. And I was like, I have a feeling he's telling me to run to my father. Mm. And he's like, then do that. Because there must be something that your father has that they don't want you to know. For sure. And I was like, okay. So I go home. I call my dad. And I'm like, dad, I want to talk to you, but I, it's like something inside of me does not want me talking to you. Mm. And for like the next three hours, he starts unpacking things for me. And at the end, I said, thank you. The torment stopped. I went to bed. I had this vicious vomiting dream all night. Like everywhere I walked in the dream, it, and it was old places I used to be like my boarding school, mm. my the chemistry department in my college, um, pharmacy department, everywhere I went, I was vomiting, 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 vomiting. And I woke up in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., got down on my knees and I said, Lord, I don't know what that is, but get it out. Get it out. I went back to bed. I woke up and I had no idea where I was. I didn't recognize my house. I didn't recognize my neighborhood. I went on a walk. I said, Lord, where am I? This is now the fourth time this has happened where I'm waking up and I don't know where I am. So I'm walking the neighborhood. I'm hoping that something looks recognizable and it's yet to look recognizable. And I feel a little scared um, because I don't remember how I made it. Yeah. Back to Kentucky. Like it was like my memory was wiped. Yeah. And Holy Spirit said, 
your time in Kentucky is done. It's time to go to California. And I was like, I know that wasn't me because I would never tell myself to go to California. <laughs> that's that's not me. Right, right, right. So I call my parents or I text my family and I'm like, hey, I think the Holy Spirit wants me to move to California. They're like, yes, when are we sending the U-Haul? Would you you want us to come now get you? I was like, hold on, hold on. Let's everybody calm down. <laughs> Let me pray about it a little bit. Let me make sure I heard the Lord. Okay, hold on. So I went out, out to California and actually even before then, I came to Houston and I was doing a conference mm-hmm. here that same month, um, last October. And I had noticed that my body felt different mm-hmm. um, after that whole vomiting dream. Thing, yeah. Felt different. And I just said, I wonder if my allergies have changed. I just wonder. I feel that different in my body. Mind you, I had allergies that sent me to the ER on a regular basis. So I just started trying stuff. And nothing happened. Wait a minute. You didn't you didn't like go to a allergist to like nope. figure it out. You just started incorporating food back that you had given up to yep. see if you were going to have a reaction. Correct. Girl, you braver than I thought. I knew you was brave and stuff, but you just out here. I'm a G. You just out here. (laughs) Hey. You just out here trying stuff. I was just trying stuff. I was like, okay, soy should make my eyes swell up like a baseball. So let's see what happens. Try soy. Nothing happened. I was like, okay, let me try nuts. Because that should make my throat kind of pulsate. My ears should get hot. Okay, nothing's happening. Okay, let me try beans. Let's go. And so I started trying everything. And then it came down to peanut. That's my worst allergy. And I tried peanut. Nothing happened. I ate more peanuts. How nothing happened. How daring are you? What is I'm you're a gangster. Yeah, you was right. You was right. You gangster. You was right. You said it. I'm it's just I'm sorry, it's delay reaction for me. <laughs> it's hitting me late. You're a whole gangster. I get it now. I'm fine. <laughs> It hit me late. I'm okay now. <laughs> what? And I realized they were all gone. And I realized my cycle was normal for the first time in my life. And all the allergies were gone. I went to my church and I was like, is this what a regular body feels like? Oh my Because I didn't know. I've never known what your body's supposed to feel like. I can eat. I'm not scared to eat. I'm doing what women are supposed to do. I don't have the pain shooting down my legs and up my back. I'm wearing regular size pads. Like it was like, and they were like, try this, try this. And they're like watching me. And I'm like eating it. And they all start crying. They're like, you girl, get yourself some Reese's and peanut butter. <laughs> butter fingers. And what, what other peanut thing you want? They were like handfuls of peanut. I was like, give me all the peanuts. I've had peanuts since 2009. Like, I'm like crying. They were stuffing me with every peanut they could find, any legume they could find just to watch me. Because they were with me when I was having the fibroids. Listen. My church walked me through wow. 
the way that they showed up for me, Bluegrass Connections Church in Lexington, Kentucky. If y'all want to see a church that will fight for you, yeah, that's a church. That's what I'm talking about. That Rep church, that church. That church in Lexington, Kentucky, they showed me, one, they showed me how to humble myself and receive help. That's beautiful. Because I didn't know I was allowed to yeah. ask for help. Yeah. But two, the way that they showed up for me in the ER, they went with me through every fibroid removal surgery I had. They were sitting with me in the ER when I was getting blood transfusions. They wow. would pick me up and bring me to house fellowship when I said, I know I've been bleeding to death, but I gotta be with my family. I gotta be praying because I will worship. I will worship. I've been through too much. Yeah. Hell has been after me. Yeah. And what you will not do is tell me to deny my God today. I just left the ER. I had things coming out my arms and I'm going, not, don't take me to my house. Take me to where my church family is so we can sing praises to God. So that's why I went to them when I realized I'm not bleeding the way I was. I can eat again. God set me mm. free. Mm. God set me free. Mm -hmm. And I've been going back to him this year finding dreams that I had that I would text and God showed me for years how this was going to unfold. Mm -hmm. I have dreams written out mm -hmm. years in advance. Mm -hmm. I'm I've been finding them all year since he told me I was moving to California and he told me I was moving fast. And what I realized the very weekend that I had Talked to my dad, had the vomiting dream, woke up completely disoriented and was told to move to California. That was exactly a year from when I started recording for my YouTube channel. And while I was getting ready to record, Holy Spirit told me this very phrase, by the way, this is the detour. The significance of that for me was the summer before I started pharmacy school the first time, I had a dream of me driving up a mountain in a line of cars. We're all going in the same way. And there's only one way to go. There's not a two way. It's a one way. And all of a sudden I see a police officer to my right and an opening. And there was a sign that said detour and there were cones. And the police officer just motions to me and said, come here, come here. And I'm like, me is like my tail with the lights out. Like what's going on? He's like, just come. So I pull out of the line. Mm -hmm. He goes behind me, closes the gap, tells everyone else just to keep going. Don't follow me. I'm the only one. And he puts cones there just to double check that they don't follow me. I rolled down my window and I'm like, officer, what's wrong? And he was like, nothing. I actually just want you to drive down this tunnel until you end up at that opening all the way at the end. And it's a dark tunnel. And I was like, that's it? Like, you don't, there's nothing wrong with my car. There's not, he's like, nope. Just want you to drive down this tunnel. And so I was like, okay. So I start driving down the tunnel slowly and I can only see as far as my headlights show me. Mm -hmm. So this is after I've left or I've graduated my master's. I've left pharmacy. I'm in my wilderness season. And that message is given to me that I'm now on my detour. I thought failing pharmacy school was the detour. Right. I'm not with my graduating class. So right. it's going to just take me longer. Right. 
But in the dream, he did tell me that I will drive through this tunnel and that opening is the top of the mountain. Just believe me that that's the top of the mountain. Okay. So then for exactly a year to the exact same weekend that I'd be healed of all of my diseases, all of them, Mm-hmm. God said, you're moving to California fast. It's going to be a rapid move. Started giving away stuff in my house. And I moved to California January 31st. I only told who needed to know. This is my first time telling it publicly. People think I'm still in Kentucky. <laughs> I'm not in Kentucky. Sorry, y'all. I'm not in Kentucky. I'm, I'm weak because after shouting I, out that church, she was like, bye. I'm gone. I'm gone. I still love them. I love y'all. I'm I just love not there. I'm just I'm not there. Gone. I'm not there. I'm not there wow. anymore. Moved to California January 31st. And I he didn't tell me why. He said, you're going. And I said, yes, sir. So it was. I was like, this is an Abrahamic call, Lord. You just said go. And I have absolutely no clue. I know that call. Why I'm going. Uh-huh. But I'm going. Uh-huh. Cause after everything you you've done for me, what, what am I gonna do? No. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? For sure. We no, gone. No, no, I'm going. Yeah, we gone. I went. So I went. I got off the plane. I recorded a video. I, and I was like, I'm documenting this. Because I have a feeling that what I just went through was the preface of mm. my story. Mm. This is chapter one. Wow. This is chapter one. Everything leading up until this very moment, Lord, was the preface of the story that you're wanting to tell. I thought that was my story. I thought my story was I'm the, the little black girl who's not smart enough to be in the family that she's in. That wasn't my story. That was a lie from the pits of hell. This story starts with what God has already done. And I will record this because it's only crazy until it happens. Oh. This is my crazy faith move. I left a church family that I loved so much thinking I was going to move to California and be like, oh, I start over with a church family. Only, only to realize that my brother, he started a group called Gather. So if anyone is looking for something that's kind of like, it would be like a basement group mm -hmm. um we're we're trying to start them all over the u.s right now but we have a group in la um you can look us at gthr.la on instagram um come through we love you um they were praying for a director all while i was going through my highest moments of torment in 2022 mm -hmm. and i kept feeling my spirit like drawing as though i need to be there but i wasn't getting a call to move yet so mm -hmm. i was like why do i feel like my heart for what needs to be done in Kentucky is dwindling, but my desire is growing so strong for California without a call to move like this. Am I just supposed to help when I go visit? Like, I don't know what this means, Lord. I get to Cali. February, mid-February, they're like, we've been praying for a leader and we think you're it. Mm. Go pray about it, though. We're just going to let you talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. He was like, That's your, that is your flock take care of my sheep 
Wow. Yes, sir. Wow. So now I'm director over the Gather LA group. Gather means good news, transformation, holism, and renewal. Um, and it was started by my brother. Um, so I started directing that group by my birthday at the end of February. I had been praying about wanting to do real estate because I have a vision to build communities for people that just need to know that there's a home for them. And I have had this vision for so long. I was like, I just need to start. I don't have the money to do this, but Lord, I'm praying the night before my Jesus year birthday, my 33rd birthday, like I want to start real estate. I wake up the next morning. I'm at my brother's house. My sister-in-law calls me to breakfast and she was like, Kevin has a gift for you, but I have to go run errands. Happy birthday. Kevin comes out of his studio and he's like, hey, here. It's a piece of paper. I was like, did you get me a pony? Like, what is going on? I don't know what's happening. Like, Where do I redeem we're this? Like, what, what is this? It's like a coupon? For like, <laughs> Toys R Us? Like, I don't know what's going on. So he's like, just open it. And I open it. And it's a picture of the house that I just moved out of in Kentucky. And I was like, what is this? And he was like, happy birthday. I'm gifting you the home that you lived in because God told me in December, give her the home because he was my landlord. He said, give it to her because she's going to know what to do with it. I fell to my knees. I was like, God, you see me. Ooh. You've called me mine. And I can go back to the verse that has been anchoring me for years now that I had to come to terms with. Because you read it all the time. It's one thing to read something in the word, but it's one thing to realize that it's for you to actually claim. Because God's not a liar. So I had to teach myself when I didn't believe something, the person in the wrong is me. I need to get on his thoughts of me. Something is wrong with my thought process. And I can say, well, it's, it's my truth. No, it's the lie that you've called your truth. That's your trauma. That's not your truth. God's the only one with the purest truth out here. So if he has said something, don't call this man a liar. Don't call him a liar. And so I had to go back. And what I remembered on my birthday was... Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities <laughs> nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You can't tell me. You can't tell me that the God of the universe doesn't love you, doesn't love me. 
He sees us when we are incapable of seeing ourselves. And when he asks you to humble yourself, when he wants you to humble yourself, the reason why he does that is not to put shame on you. It's because when you see what he sees, now you get to be on the same team. He's like, I want my kids. This is my family. He's a real dad. Real dads are gangster for their kids. Touch my kids and see. God will come for his children. The way the devil lied to me for so long about my family, about my status, about my mind, about my hair, about my skin, about my about the love of the father, the love of my earthly father, the love of my mother, my brother, everyone. It, he is such a liar. I plead that people will give this God that took away the torment of disease, the torment of spiritual attacks, the ways that demons used to come in my room and torment me. I would see them to him. I would have to call on the name of Jesus. My my Nigerian grandmother taught me this because mm-hmm. this is real. Witchcraft is, is real. It is real. I found out yeah. that when I was four, we went to Grenada, my mom's country. And there was a woman we visited who was known for witchcraft on the island. And she had a fixation on me. And my mom felt it in her body because she didn't know. She's like, I don't know if it's safer for us to visit her. And she find out that we didn't visit her and she do something or if it's safer for us to go and see her, mm. maybe appease her. Mm. Let's maybe go appease her. Oh, she called me into herself. And my mom was like, we have to go. And that's when things started happening. That's when things started happening. My brothers, you can ask Kevin. He used to go, what is, why does Candace go through what she goes? Like, it doesn't even make sense. Mm. Doctors don't know. We don't know. We've prayed. We've called on Jesus. What is going on with her? We can't understand it. And yet she gets up and she smiles. She worships. She's in the Bible. Tim, my Bible is tatted. Do you see Mm -hmm. this? I see that thing. This is warfare, man. Mm -hmm. This has been my life. Mm -hmm. And my prayer, I wrote this prayer in my Bible, October 2010. Hold, hold, Hold that up to that camera. Because they need to see your Bible ain't got no cover. It don't have a cover anymore. That's why you had to put it in a book jacket. I did. It doesn't have the cover anymore. Santa Santa Biblia. The Santa Biblia. I wrote in my journal, or in my Bible at the beginning. That's right, Tim. There we go. And mine got my name on it. Hey. I get all my Bibles engraved. So I wrote, Father, I want you to lead me in the dance. I want you to be able I want to be able to read you and converse with you without words. I may stumble, I may fall, but I trust that you will pick me up and continue to dance. I want to know that if I mess up that the song will keep playing and you will still be my partner. Lead me, Lord. Guide me. I want to dance with my father over and over again. And that was right before that abusive relationship that I was in that I wrote that it was close to my it was right after my my rebaptism that I wrote that and I've been I've been praying that prayer for so long 
The Lord set me free from spiritual bondage. I have, I literally have dreams to back up that this was going to happen. And God walked me all the way through it. He said, there will be a day. Just keep going. There will be a day. Lord Jesus, just keep, keep going. going. Keep going. Love is patient. And it's so, so kind. There's literally nothing greater than the love of God. I just sat here and watched the whole movie. I think the most beautiful thing um, I enjoyed about you telling your story is because uh, I'm 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 a feeler as well, and I'm an emotional person, and. Um, you walked us through parts of your story you could have easily kept to yourself, which is why I thank you so much for your vulnerability. Um, I just loved how you were so present in every moment of it. See, people tell their story and they're so far removed from it that it's just like, yeah, I went through this, this, and this, but God. I think what's different about yours is that you carried so much of it in your body. And when you carry something in your body that long, and it finally comes out, I'm, just, I'm telling you, it just hits different. Like, I resonate with it in a way that's like, very tangible. Um, mine was not a physical. Um, mine wasn't physical infirmity. Uh, but I just remember how stifling silence was in my life. Jesus. Like I felt like it could have literally choked me out. Mm. And. Um, all I know is six months later, I gave my life to Jesus and I've never, I've never been the same person since. And I just think there's certain things that you go through in life. Um, you'll never be far enough removed from it not to give him praise and not to give him glory and not to give him honor and not to worship. I just, you know, people ask me, uh, people ask me, um, you know, what's the greatest thing that's happened in your life since you gave your life to Jesus? And my answer is always, when I gave my life to Jesus, like, right. I don't have another There's answer no for answer. you. Like, that was, that was it. Yes. There was, uh, what else is there? Right. 
January 14th of 1996 is the most extravagant day of my life. Yes. My sins were forgiven. I was made righteous. Yes. And I got to be reconnected to God as my father. Yes. He's the creator of the whole universe. He's my dad. What? What? What is better? What is better than that? Would you want me to say that the house, the car, the wife, the kids? No. It's my salvation. That. For you to be anchored in your faith, be given a promise that you would be healed, and then wait like 20-some years for it. Child, please. No wonder you crying. Who going to get over that? Who going to ever get over that? I bet you I never get over that. My memory, I, I'm sorry, my memory ain't that short. I've been saved 27 and a half years if I think about my salvation too long. I'll I'll be a ball of snot. I just think it's beautiful. I just think it's beautiful to hear this story. This is this is just one of them pods where it's like I just want I I I I we overcome by the blood of the lamb mm. and the word of our testimony. And girl, you gave us a beautiful unedited unadulterated uncompromising testimony. Yesterday, I told you this morning that I was so scared. I went into my seven-year-old person again yesterday. I was in my closet crying, afraid. I went back into the space of I'm going to put shame on my family. I'm going to put shame on them. But I don't have another story to tell. The story I have is the story of Jesus. And all that he has done for me. And if that puts shame on someone else, I can't do anything about it. Because when you know the truth, That's right. it actually does set you free. It does. It absolutely does. So why not use this master key that you've been handed to right. unlock other people That's in right. partnership with the Holy Ghost? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Now I just enjoy partnering and holding this key. Yeah. I share this story privately. This is my first time really sharing it publicly. And, it's, and it, I'm telling you, you have given us an extravagant gift. I promise you. You have given us a very extravagant gift. We don't deserve the story you gave us. And I don't deserve the rescuing that my God did for me. I'm, I'm, uh, oh, thank you, Jesus. I, I hope it, my biggest, I don't want to say, I don't want to speak in hyperbole. I just want the basement to be a place I 
want the B-side to be a place and I want the basement to be a space where shame comes off people. Yes. We weren't built to carry shame. I just want everybody back in Genesis too. Yes. Restore us to Eden, God. And they were naked and not ashamed. Naked and not ashamed. That's it. I just want people back there. And the yada. Yeah. Yeah. I want them there. I want the yada yeah, back. Yeah, exactly. I just God want to be wants there. the yada that's back. Not, that's it. Yada is the Hebrew word for no. That's the no that was used in Genesis 4 when God said, Adam knew Eve. That level of intimacy. That's the yada mm -hmm. that Elohim has been fighting for. Mm -hmm. And he's serious about mm -hmm. it. He is. He will literally do anything mm -hmm. to get back to a Shabbat yada with his family. Mm -hmm. He's restored me back to my own family. Because mm -hmm. I was living in a home and I thought I was separated. Right. I had a dream at the end of the year of me being in a house. And I was... I didn't realize that I was actually in a house that was extended. Like it was two parts. That part of the house that I was in was like this glass mansion. But behind me was like a regular looking brick house. My my immediate family was in that part of the house. But my back was to it. And I didn't even know that part existed. And I was sitting at a piano. And this man with a briefcase comes walking down this path, walks into the house. I don't know how he got in there. But he came and I was sitting at this piano. And he put this sheet of music in front of me. And he said, I'm going to come back and test you on this piece. And when I come back, you better play it perfectly. And I'm looking at it. And I'm like, this is like Juilliard level. I don't play piano like that. I don't, I don't know how this is going to be possible. He leaves. And I'm looking at this. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't even know how to practice it. I don't even think this is humanly possible. But <laughs> like, what is this? He makes it down the path. And then he stops. He kind of smiles at himself. And he turns around as if he knew if he turned around at that point, I shouldn't be ready. So he could catch me. So he came back and I was like, oh God, he's back. Like I barely practiced. <laughs> I'm still looking at this crazy sheet of music. What is this? But I'm sitting there and he came into the house again without anyone's permission and asks me, um, are you ready to play? And in my head, I said, I don't want to tell him I'm not ready, but I will tell him that I will play. Mm. So I said, I'll play. Mm -hmm. I sit down and I'm looking at the sheet of music and it starts off very simple. And as each page goes on, it gets more and more complicated. And I'm petrified to mess up very much like I've always been petrified mm -hmm. to mess up. Mm -hmm. Right. But I realize I'm not touching the piano. But the music is coming out and I'm sitting at the piano as though I'm the one playing it. And I'm reading the music as though I'm the one looking at it to play. But I notice I can't feel the piano. I'm looking at the music and it looks crazy, but the music coming out sounded like this beautiful childlike melody mm -hmm. that was consistent. The same beautiful, almost lullaby. And it did not match the music at all. And I'm getting to the last page and I'm like, I don't think I've messed up yet, but I feel like I'm about to mess up. I feel like I'm about to mess up. I feel like I'm about to mess up. And so the music started to look black and ugly and it's just all these crazy dissonant chords and and 
at the end, I'm looking at the music, the very last two stanzas, and it's just black notes. I'm like, this is it. This is where I'm going to be found out. Mm. And it looks like it should just be like, blah, 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 all over. And yet it just stayed this beautiful, consistent chord. And I play, I'm thinking I'm playing this last nasty chord, but it's just this beautiful resolve. And it just stops. And I look at the guy and he's angry. And he was like, okay, so you played it. And he takes it. And he walks out and all of a sudden I felt my body go. And I realized there's a whole other part of the house behind me that I didn't know existed. And I turn around and my whole family is sitting at this dining table and they're all looking at me in shock. And I'm looking at them and I'm like, wait, you've been here the whole time. (laughs) I thought I was alone. You were there the whole time. And yet you guys were also in a space where you couldn't come to me. For me to think I didn't have family. Yeah. And for you guys to see me and think you can't reach me. Yeah. Well, let's, I'm reunited with my family in well, California now. Well, let's let's talk about let's talk about what you played though. Mm-hmm. Cause the enemy put something before you that he thought was going to be a distorted melody. <laughs> but God takes messes and knows how to make melodies out of them. That's why he was pissed. And that's why he ripped those pages away. He did not expect that sound to come out. No, and neither did I. And this is what the enemy makes us think about all of our testimonies. Mm. If you open your mouth, it's going to be a bad sound and people are going to run from it. But God makes broken things beautiful. He makes messages out of messes he makes melodies out of what has been mangled and all you got to do is open your mouth and you've done that for us today and to tell you that i am grateful for you would be an understatement we needed to hear this we needed to be reminded of it and it is beautiful and it is sweet what you have just played for us is a masterpiece. <laughs> it is a masterpiece. <sighs> God restores. God restores. God restores. My God restores, he restores my mind, he restores my soul with his healing hand. I'm made whole, he makes my life complete. My reunion is so sweet. I'm a living testimony that God restores. Father God, Lord Jesus, 
Lord, I thank you. Como te quiero, Señor, I thank you. You see us. You hear our cries when we call in the middle of the night, in the dark hour. You hear us. You have a plan for us that even the devil can't touch. God, he wants to, but he can't. God, I thank you for raising up Tim. I thank you for calling him out of the darkness. Calling him to a world that he did not predict for himself. You allowed him to partner with you and he received the call to create a space of dwelling. Lord, this is not just a podcast. This is where your Holy Spirit dwells. You dwell with your children. You said you come here for those that know that they are broken. And you want to bring healing. You want to restore. So God, thank you for opening a way when it looked like there was no way. Thank you for creating paths that none of us were looking for. Thank you for calling the lambs for us to hear your voice and then meet each other from all over the world in this little community called the basement. Lord, thank you for walking me through the process you took me through because I know the things that we go through aren't just for us, Lord. They're for us to remind all of heaven and earth that the lies that Satan has been accusing you of are null and void. Mm -hmm. You are exactly who you've always said you are. Yes, Lord. That will never change from Genesis to Revelation. No one can take away the truth of your name. This is not my story. This is your story. Yes, Lord. You are a redeemer. You are the God that brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. We don't have to have any gods before us anymore. We don't have to take your name in vain anymore. We don't have to have any graven images anymore. We can remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. We can honor our mothers and fathers. We can not commit adultery. We cannot, we don't have to murder. We don't have to lie. We don't have to steal. We don't have to covet. We can be free. Yes, Jesus. Not because of who we are, what we've done, but because of what you've already done and continue to do with the right hand of the Father. And so, God, I ask, I plead the blood of Jesus over the Basement Podcast, over every dweller, over everyone who reacts to the basement and thinks that it's absolutely crazy. Lord, bless Mm -hmm. everyone. Bless them all, Jesus. Bless them all. Because, Lord, there will be a day where every eye shall see you and every knee will bow down and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. Yes, Lord. All of us. Yes, Lord. And so I thank you. I magnify you. I glorify you. Mm -hmm. My life is yours. Mm -hmm. I submit myself to you. Yes, Lord. 
Satan back down. You are not welcome in the basement. Mm-hmm. We shall be free. Yes, Lord. In the mighty name, the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. <sighs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. You are worthy to be praised and adored. So we lift up holy hands on one accord. Singing, blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So press B with me, and let's let whatever gon' be just be, uh, yeah. So press B with me, and let's let whatever gon' be just be, 